Hey there, Richard E. Grant. This is Zinyash. Hey, Zinyash, this is Steven. Steven, I, you got me at a loss. Who's Richard E. Grant? Oh boy. So, I had two ideas. Uh, one was more spoilery than, spoilery than the other. Okay. Loki came out in 2021. I feel like we can talk about a thing from it. Loki, the HBO series, right? Was uh, it HBO? No, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Yes. Yeah, sure, why not? All right. Richard E. Grant played classic Loki. Like um, the, the guy at the end. Uh, oh, the old dude with the, the big goofy horns and goofy exactly, costume? Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he very dramatically yells, go! And that's all I could think of when uh, June yells the same thing. Oh, all righty then. Yeah. It was just a, that's what I heard in my head and that's what I heard in my heart, so. Aw, awesome. Well, that's much less of a lead-in than we usually need. Oh, we're leading into our podcast, Not Everything is a Clue, where you and I sit down every week, usually, to talk about Alexander Whale's web serial, Worth the Candle, available on audiobook and ebook near you. Exactly. Uh, check them out at Audible and at Amazon, uh, where you can buy a good chunk of it for just a few dollars. Uh, you can also support Alexander Wales directly at his Patreon, and you can support us at our Patreon if you enjoy this podcast. Um, they both the links the links for all of those things are in the show notes. Cool. What is at the top of our notes here? Let's see. Oh, I put this one. I put sorry for that infernal clacking from my chair. I listened to last week's episode and I hate it at least as much as you guys do. Everything is freshly WD-40'd and lubed up. So hopefully it's a bit, bit better. It's definitely a bit I think, better. I think you like are more annoyed by those noises than, well, than I am. I don't know which one of us is more typical because I like, I usually don't even hear them. Okay. I know that we've had at least once in a while concerns of audio quality, but you know, this is a I don't want to say a cheap production, but this is a <laughs> this is a, a moderately low effort production. The, the the big effort is the time to put into it, not in the we don't we don't have a studio, all right? Yeah, exactly. So. It's the in the reading and the analysis, and not so much in the post production work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we get into some things from the audience. Shall we hit those? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, this first one is from Do the Math. Do you want to hit Do the Maths? Uh, yeah. Um, June hasn't really optimized for social skills much, so social aspects of the situation are still difficult, and this is meaningful. Contrast to Uther, who had time to optimize all of his character. Of course he sees everyone as NPCs, because their inner workings to him are so clear that it's impossible for him to see them as anything else but automata. Man, that's a interesting observation. If it wasn't clear, I hadn't read that until just now. Um, it'd be... I can see where that's coming from. I wonder... Like uh, when June upped his intelligence too much, the world space reconfigured, or at least said it was doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if it did the same. Would would have done a similar thing for Uther if, like, suddenly everyone was, you know, he could see three steps ahead for everything, right? Um, yeah. I suspect it could be like Doctor Manhattan, you know, where it's like I just I can't relate to you, you insects anymore. Um, yeah. It's entirely speculation, but it's a possibility, and it's one that hadn't occurred to me. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Or like uh, when Frodo puts on the ring in Lord of the Rationality, and everyone is just completely transparent and ground down to incentives and drives. Right. Rather than personality. I don't know. Val insight. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I can dig it. And then the second one here was Night Spacer did the homework for us on the history of mentions of asexuality in the book uh the first one is in chapter 93 bottle episode where uh amaryllis has been reading romance novels and saying like they don't 
they don't do for me whatever they're supposed to do for people. I used to think that I was broken. And June's like, oh, you're not. You're just asexual. And Amaryllis says mostly. Um, so it was kind of suggested by June rather than something Amaryllis said. And she only says mostly in return. And then uh, it's mentioned once again in chapter 189, where it's just uh, June again. In this case, he's not even talking to anyone. He's just sort of speculating, thinking in his own mind. So uh, that that was it for mentions in the story. So it could have been more June's uh, June's projection than something she actually said. And we read too much into it because, well, in my excuse, we're reading this from June's POV. So that happens a lot. Well, and in our but, defense, mostly is a pretty, you know, good anchoring answer for us to work with, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She didn't say not really. Yeah. Or kind of. Mostly is like, oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead. And if I'm going to put a label on you, it'll be that one, right? Yeah, because apparently it mostly applies. Yeah. But then, uh, like, I, I, I forgive us for not getting that one. But then uh, we got this feedback, which just kind of blew my mind. Uh, this... This was such a good insight that I was kind of a little bit jealous of it and also like ashamed that I hadn't come up with this or something like this. Like I, I think I think this listener should be on a podcast or have a podcast of their own or something because it was really good. Uh, this is... You got to try Unent- German. <laughs> Unentscheiden, I think. Unentscheiden. Yeah, that's, that's how I would say it. Uh, I have no idea what that means. You have any idea? Nope. My brother knows okay. some German. Oh, cool. Well, we are not going to look it up because we're not that kind of podcast. Nope. We will not fill your ears with filthy German words um, or, or their translations. Hey, at least anyway. not definitions because Google didn't help. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> Cool. Uh, but Unenscheiden says, I don't think our podcasters quite got how much Amaryllis is the perfect wife for the protagonist that doesn't simply match his wants, but also his needs. That starts with her appearance exactly matching his preferences to her abilities, like running a country on his behalf. If you come from an angle, uh, if you come from that angle, it becomes very simple to identify her sexuality. Juniper sexual. Mm. She can't feel sexual pleasure with anyone else. Remember, she can't even masturbate. In fact, her coded message from herself states that she needs him for happiness. Consider how convenient it is that she is completely devoted to him out of rational consideration for Erb. It's not about the question, is Amaryllis asexual? It's about Juniper's relationship issues on his side. He didn't sleep with her out of a misunderstanding of her exact situation. He thought she was asexual, when in reality she is Juniper sexual. Thus, the lesson is he should communicate more with his partner about sex. Also, continues on. This is, this is like the part that really jumped out at me. Uh, there are so many tiny inconsistencies with her that are entirely explainable by the premise she was constructed to be Juniper's perfect partner. A more normal person might have personal goals that she would want to accomplish using her super boyfriend. She might have used his clear attraction to her to get him to do something she wants him to do. She might get jealous when he sleeps with other girls or deer. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. didn't take over the empire because she wanted to, but because it's the best option for Juniper's quest to become God. She never, ever doubts that A, he can do it, B, he should do it, and C, he can be trusted with the power. If she has flaws, it's to keep her from being uncanny. It fits with the overall vibe of the story as a meta story, where everything in the world is about Juniper and Juniper's DM in particular. In other stories, Amaryllis would have been a slight flaw in the writing, where everything about her just turned out to be so very convenient. I think in this story, it's entirely on purpose. I thought that was really good analysis there. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, luckily, that wasn't what I was going to say. I, I love the whole thing. The analysis is great. I got hung up on a couple parts of it. 
Um, yeah. It's interesting. I think that the only thing I'd draw a little contention with is that at least she wasn't juniper sexual the whole time. She certainly wasn't in the beginning. She even talked about how she might endure sleeping with him to help further her own goals. I, I'm not convinced that she's set aside her own personal goals to help her super boyfriend. I think that her super boyfriend's uh, abilities align with her goals. Remember, she used to work for the Future for Humanity Institute, right? Uh, yes. If she, I do if she think- can help create a friendly artificial intelligence or a friendly god, that's that's the win condition, right? Yeah, no, I think that's very true, but... I think things also, just align for them. I just don't want to give her, like, a backseat in, in agency here. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think the fact that everything's so very conveniently aligned was was kind of the point of Amaryllis. That makes sense, yeah. I wanted to just think that it wasn't like she was throwing out her goals to help, you know, him do his stuff. It's just that, oh, his stuff is exactly what I was already doing with my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally dig it. Oh, I guess because they had sex last chapter. I was wondering why I was thinking about it. And so was so was uh, this this listener. And because we sort of had a talk about like, what the hell is she talking about with being asexual? Oh, that too. Yeah. So this was like posted in a series of messages, which I all pasted together and trimmed out some things uh, to to make it shorter. I first read the first part that like, it's very simple to identify her sexuality. She's juniper sexual. She literally can't feel pleasure with anyone else. And she's completely devoted to him. And as someone else pointed out, she doesn't have any emotional needs that he needs to fulfill. I mean, I know it's not her fault, but I think it feels it feels bad when it's put like that. Like, she was created almost like a house elf sort of slave species kind of thing. And I guess it's great that her desires are being fulfilled, but it just feels yucky, you know? I don't like it. I can feel that. I think, uh, I, I guess I'm not totally sold on that. Like, I think that she's just coming more to terms with herself. Granted, this is coming from the guy who thinks that they might all be mindless NPCs. So um, yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of just playing both sides here, which is great because then I get to I get to come ahead, come out ahead, no matter what. It also, especially the strategy works when you tell people you're playing both sides. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I was thinking of it more from the terms of like she, especially the argument that she gave him of like, no, look, I can consent because I'm a grown ass adult with a brain. Um, yeah, I think what I was thinking of was more just like. That was like the perfect thing for him to hear to help him get mm-hmm. over his guilt about the Maddie stuff. Mm-hmm. And I agree. So it like having somebody that, you know, he's he's wildly attracted to, but wasn't interested in him in that way. But like expresses a desire to like, no, let's do this anyway. Kind of. Um, I think that was just a a good I don't know. That seems like a good remedy for like the guilt hangups he was having. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she is bizarrely yeah. perfect for him. So that 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 I'm sold on. And you're right. Like in another story, this would be a flaw. Um in this one, it's like, no, it this 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 story gets a pass with everything because it's meta, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um it, you know It's a the, commentary on those stories. Yeah. You know, we're we're gonna come up with uh the Felseed fight. And it's like if that was the culmination of I don't know, Lord of the Rings or whatever, or mm-hmm. like that would be a shit ending. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Um, yeah. That said, this better not be the end of the story. What if it was? I'd be so pissed. Okay, well, I know that there's more. I know that there's 10% left, but I don't know exactly what that means. So, Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, at, at the end of the episode, I wanted to say, and our reading for next week is nothing because we've reached the end. Oh, <laughs> but, even, even but Archive of... See, there's more. Alas, yeah. Even Archive of Our Own shows all the chapters. Um, I don't. I don't look down and scroll, but... Yeah. I can I can tell that the wheel goes further than this. So I have been stymied. Yeah. 
Uh, cool. Well, speaking, this actually leads into the thing I, I put in, so I wouldn't forget to ask. Um, mm-hmm. This is, you know, we can put this on the back burner for the whole episode, or you can just immediately answer. Um, but I was thinking about this because I had nothing to do but think because I finished reading on like Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think I texted you, you motherfucker. Um, <laughs> hey, I had to wait significantly longer than you did. I know that was the that was the thing that made me feel better. Um, so anyway, I what I wanted to ask was like if the Felseed riddle is solvable at this point in the story, if someone's paying close enough attention, like specifically the you know his weakness and the password key thing they need to open the door. Um, mm-hmm. Like I realize that no one got to tell you that the mystery was or wasn't solvable at this time. Right. Unless mm-hmm. maybe there was whatever Alexander Wales on a Reddit thread or something. Um, so telling me one way or the other might be unfair, but it's up to you on the level of funness. So unless you have an immediate answer for that, you can just kind of leave that in the back burner for the episode and I'll revisit it at the end. Uh, I guess it would be better to leave until the end. All right. Yeah. We'll circle back. Okay. All right. Well, if we're going to get started, uh, if we're going to circle back, we've got to start somewhere, right? So we do. Let's start with the Felseed incident. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> high level. Um, you know, it's it's told from past June's point of view, right? Yes. Not from current one revisiting it. And so all of the negativity, all of the the anger is just palpable the entire time. Yeah. And I know that there are books written with protagonists like this that people read, and I don't know why they would do that because it's just a <laughs> bummer slash ang- angering. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, since we know who he becomes, I, I don't feel like mad at him. I'm just like, oh man, this poor guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, can you imagine if this story was told purely chronologically and we had to go through all of the shit June stuff in Kansas before we got to Arab? Um, it would be terrible. Yeah. It, it, that that question like, just why gave am I me, reading this? That question just gave me an entire whole new appreciation for flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, so that's why flashbacks exist. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, you can reveal mysteries or whatever too, but like mm-hmm. uh it's just like, oh yeah, because this would be really boring to get in order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's great. Um I before I forget, because I didn't put this in the notes. When you read the Felseed Incident chapter, do you remember if it lived up to your expectations? It did not. Because it did not. I it just I was expecting I was expecting even worse because of how strongly it weighed in June's mind and how 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 much angst and horror he had about it. Like I just I thought it would be something even worse. And I mean this is bad, uh, but I, I just I was expecting something significantly worse, I guess. Do you have any idea like can you can you brainstorm anything worse like right off or is it just like you were just expect like you know i could imagine I mean, worse but it just not put your finger on it like i don't know maybe if anna had stuck around and like he'd been telling her oh yeah your character's getting raped right now and describing it or something like that okay like, that would have been one step worse and probably i would have expected something at least two steps worse gotcha. so maybe even worse than that okay yeah no I, I see what you're saying yeah this is this is it you know spicy but you think it might have had more pepper or could have had more pepper in it or more heat well i mean i'm I'm sure it could have the thing is like when you read this if we had read this in chronological order this would be really bad this would be a destruction of friendship for no reason other than he wanted to make his friends hurt but um after everything that after how much it has been built up plus the things that we have seen on air it just 
it doesn't quite compare. Or it didn't anyway. Like this time, since I didn't have such high expectations and I knew what I was getting, it 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 was fine. I was I was I had my expectations a bit lower. It's it's one of the reasons when you see the best movie ever, you don't tell all your friends this is the best movie ever. Mm-hmm. Go see it. You tell them, you know, I think this is a pretty dang good movie, and you would really like it. You should go check it out because uh, then it doesn't get their expectations too high. Because I've seen some really fucking good movies just out of the blue and they were amazing and i've seen some movies that are even better than that but that people told me beforehand this is the one of the best things i've ever seen and i go in and i'm like well i mean yeah it was pretty good but i'm let down because i was expecting something that would have make it to my top three personally you know yeah no i know what you mean i guess for me i didn't i never expected it to blow me out of the water with horror or whatever i guess like it, it definitely satisfied my I, because I think I had no expectations, not like they were low. I just didn't have, I didn't know what to expect. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it, it worked for me. Um, you know, thinking about how, when you mentioned if we would read this chronologically, like this would be the worst. I I don't know if it's fair to compare this to what's happened on Arab because Arab is a fantasy land with hell. Right. Yeah. So like, as far as like the worst that could reasonably have happened, this is about it, you know? Um, Oh, he could have, I mean, it could have gotten worse than this. It could have gotten worse, but like, I think that, like you said, if this was chronological, this would be terrible, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if we don't judge it by the future, um, you know, I, I mean, don't, I don't think I could talk you into like whatever saying this was perfect because I'm not, I'm not saying that either. But I just like uh, that, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. No, but I mean, he could have, he could have done something worse. He could have gotten in a fight. He could have permanently scarred someone. He could have uh, maybe even like accidentally permanently uh, disabled or injured someone. Uh, intentionally destroyed something very valuable to them that they'd spent years on. Like, there's so many worse things that he could have done that without going into the level of, you know, this would get you thrown in jail. And, and those didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or it could be the kind of thing that would get him thrown in jail, but, you know, his friends didn't call the cops or whatever. Like, he could have blinded yeah. Colin by throwing their favorite, whatever, gold plated. Uh, D20 at him, right? And blinding or, you know, cr- crushing one of his eyes. Like, you know, it, it could have been something like that. It but, could have been something like he maliciously poisoned someone's pet over a pe- period of weeks. Yeah. yeah that would have been... It's less of an incident more of a, a series of events. The Felsey yeah. series of events. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite right. roll off the tongue. But no, no, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> Arthur's dead is how it starts out. And it's like, oh, okay just heads up. It's gonna be a bummer chapter if the name didn't, mm. you know, give you the heads up. Um, but then what I liked was it says, uh, campaigns had a way of altering the worlds I'd put down into notebooks and for Felseed, That meant that he just kept getting built up, mentioned whispers in taverns, his name wielded to invoke fear and doom. And I'm like, that's exactly what he's been doing on air. Yeah. And this is, felt- it, yeah. Meta. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I loved it. That was just like, Oh yeah, this, you know, you're talking about the thing, from your point of view at the time, but that's also like how it worked out. Yes. Yeah. For, well, definitely for us readers, like he already knew how bad Felseed was going to be, but we were slowly getting it over time. That's a good point. Yeah. He, he, th- I don't think he learned anything new about the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun. <laughs> and also kind of, that's been the Felseed incident has been sort of built up the same way. Oh, totally. Definitely for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that I wanted to pull out before we get into other details was what you were saying before. And I, I just pulled out the quote, I was feeling annoyed, which I don't know where exactly in the chapter that line came from, but I, I think it was repeated several times. And like you said, you could really feel that how, how he's annoyed, how he's on edge, how 
it, it, the whole thing was very well portrayed and I could feel just him seething at the world. And it's, it's a horrible mood to be in. And I'm, I'm sure everyone's been there sometimes I've been there sometimes, but like being there for months at a time would just, Oh, it would be awful. It, it would lead to this kind of campaign. Yeah. It's, it's easy to sympathize with like why he's being such a dick. Um, yeah. if anyone's ever been in that state of mind and then you just put that out for months, um, we're at the stage chronologically with him anyway, when he's had ideations of suicide, but before he tried it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Alexander Wales nailed the vibe here. Um, yeah. It's like the whole time you, I don't know. I could, you could, I can feel the anger and tension the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. There were great. You can, Oh, go ahead. You can even feel it in the way he describes the, the things. Um, the one I pulled out was the Vorpal blade or the Vorpal sword, which was a double-sided blade perfectly reflected, but it reflected nothing but death. If you stare at the reflection, you can see a putrefied version of your own flesh, uh, grass behind you is dead. The birds are carcasses on the ground. The sun is red and swollen in the sky. It was, I was just fucking badass, but you know, also very mood steady. Is this grimdark butterfly meme? <laughs> I believe it is. It sounds yeah, metal as fuck. That's sort of what I sub in for grimdark. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a hundred percent overlap, but it works. Uh, you know, sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Um, right. I mean, that sort of environment is definitely part of it. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I remember you were bringing up Berserk earlier in like the horrible demon end phase. Is Felseed's zone and the campaign anything like that? Um, it's not entirely dissimilar, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, similar elements of the various kinds of horror. Okay. Uh, maybe minus the body doubles. Um, although not entirely necessarily. It could be because there's like illusion y stuff going on. Um, cool. But. Yeah, uh, that that actually fits pretty well. And I mentioned a couple times last week, The Upside Down. Did you watch Stranger Things? I did watch the first season, yes. Oh, good. That's, that was actually a good place to stop. Um, the I am actually really enjoyed the first half of season four. They released it in two chunks. but um, the oh, Sorry, I haven't seen the second half yet. But seasons two and three, I think, were forgettable. Um, season one was fun, though. But anyway, The Upside Down, you know, like the everything's covered in moss you know everything's gross and weird and spores and all that that's sort of what i picture this place looking like too cool but yeah the upside down's a cool place yeah i i I tried to pull out like the bits of levity just because i knew shit was going to hit the wind so like um you know they've they've got the vorpal sword first and uh the party does that is and raymer just says okay because the stakes are high i'm going to grab a random civilian and attack them with the sword to see what what its true power is <laughs> tom's like you could grab a random bandit instead okay yeah sure sure <laughs> he's just a he's a special <laughs> kind of awesome and right. frankly his, his direct pragmatism is kind of reminiscent of amaryllis um like mm-hmm. you know she's like you know, yes, I could go find a criminal, but this is too important. Like, we're—I I don't think she'd actually cut down a random muggle. She'd find some baddie, but it would occur to her to try this, right? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Raymer gets high five. He says, "If killing a, killing a rando bandit, a randit, if you will, means you have a better <laughs> chance of, of success, then I'm willing to take that risk." <laughs> <laughs> randit goes good. Um, the only other couple of things here is that Colin, who's built like a high school superhero brings his girlfriend to the session and it's her first time playing D and D and I know. Right. So this is <laughs> a great way to get started. Um, yeah. And it's like, Hey, what's your backstory? And 
she's like, oh, uh, I don't know. I guess he killed my father. And Raymer's like, statistically, that's likely. Um, he's killed a lot of people. He's also statistic. He's also statistically likely to have raped your mother. And mm. uh, I think Craig says that. Um, but then anyway, Anna winces. And so I was like, oh, shit, that's that's where this is going to go. Some some mention of that is going to be the thing. Um, yeah. And that's definitely he doesn't let someone's discomfort at an immensely discomforting subject keep him from harping on it right i mean if anything i think it was kind of the point and it wasn't aimed at her but if she got caught in the crossfire he was like that's fine well i think the rest of them like we i don't know we get the impression that she probably had uh you know something in her past yeah some sort of sexual assault possibly rape yeah and so like you know the the rest of the gang of D folks they might not have that same trauma associated with it but it's still like gross um mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i think that he just if he could upset somebody, he was just like, oh, good. Somebody, somebody's feelings to hurt. I don't know if he was, you, you think he was happy to hurt her feelings too? I, I don't know if happy is the word I'd use for it. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think he's happy hurting anyone's feelings here. I think it's, it's like just what he, what he wanted to do, but not on a, you know, not on a level where he planned out like, I'm going to make everyone sad. Like this all kind of just happened, you know, like he planned out the story or whatever, but I don't think his goal was to piss them off. His goal was to like make a dad, a sad, dark story, but then it got out of control. Yeah. And it's not as, like, as he kept spiraling mentally. Yeah. And so it's not like he couldn't have stopped at any time because he could have. So it wasn't like things spiraled and he lost control of everything. It's just, he, he, I don't think his eye was on the ball of like, let's hurt these people's feelings. It was just like, let's just make this a bummer. And the direct collateral damage of that is let's hurt people's feelings. Right. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Like, I think that's that's something we'd get into a bit later. I think he was he was trying to hurt his friends intentionally to make them feel bad. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking like the sexual violence thing wouldn't necessarily be their their trigger for it. Right. Giving them a long quest to get a sword that does fuck all would be his version of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it would all played together and towards the same goal. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, let's be real. It is a special kind of violence and they'd be like, man, you don't have to be going over the top with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had an interesting point when, uh, was it Colin? Yes, it was Colin. Asked him to like, you know, hey, maybe back down on the sexual violence stuff. June says, is thinking, you couldn't say that Felseed's cruelty and depravity knew no bounds and then say, oh, well, except in this way, if it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, he's at this point, he's pretty upset that, uh, Colin, who is a newcomer anyway, brought his freaking girlfriend to this when he knew that it was the culmination of a horror campaign. And I'm very torn on that. Do you think that he has a point on the whole, you can't say that he is evil beyond any bounds and then say, oh, except for in this one part, because it makes you uncomfortable. I think that's a false dichotomy. He could say this is part of the thing. And someone's like, oh man, that's kind of like my, my thing. I don't like talking about. He's like, okay, well mm-hmm. I won't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's there. Right. Yeah. So like he, he could just, you know, he's not going to go back and change his mind on the setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he could just not talk about that part of it. So I think that he, uh, you know, Felsey's cruelty and depravity knew no bounds. And it was clear because he described, you know, how far that goes. But once that was described to, the the players he could just he could have backed off of it um yeah you know that said i think there are like some kinds of horror can be included in a way that like adds setting and or like adds the story and setting um Mm -hmm. or it can be added for cheap shock value 
Um, mm-hmm. And again, on the the subject of using sexual violence for like, uh, I think two sounds like a you'll get what I'm saying. Using that to good effect, um, mm-hmm. good with a you know English is limited asterisk next to it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, like Berserk does that well. Um, okay. And I, I remember like I don't know mid two thousands. There's a movie called The Hills Have Eyes. All right. And there's just some you know it's it's gross mutant people. And I think there's a rape scene in it and it's like, it didn't actually need that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was already gross and scary. Um, mm-hmm. This was just like, and look at how it's extra gross and scary. I felt like that was just done for like a cheap, like kind of like let's make you guys really, really uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. But not in a way that like made it a better movie. Okay. Certainly didn't make it a better story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the story was like, look at the the scary hill people. Um, okay. So anyway, what are your thoughts? I- I well, I haven't seen either of those, so I I can't comment on them. I will take your word for it because it, that shit can certainly be done very badly. Well, um, if you have any examples, we can uh, that we've both seen that we can talk about those. But uh, none offhand. Yeah, it doesn't come up that often. Thankfully, um, yeah, yeah. I darn it! I wish I had brainstormed beforehand, but it, it would take us out of the flow right now. I have um, I have another one from a book, and it was uh, in the woods by. Um, shoot tana harris no wait tana french that's the one i think tana was oh yeah um, i didn't I, I didn't read that one either uh, but i know you're a big fan of uh, tana french well I, I read the first two books enthusiastically and then totally lost speed starting the third so i didn't okay. buy all of them um oh well but you know. yeah so I've, I've got physical books laying around but mm-hmm. i really like the first two anyway there's there's an, a component of sexual violence in the first one and it, it does add to the horror of the story like on purpose Mm-hmm. It's not just there as like, ew, isn't that gross too? Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay. Uh, well, my my idea is that I'm kind of torn on this because in general, if you're consuming art um, and it's something you don't like, like if it's a novel or a movie or something, you can put it down. You can stop watching. It's th- There's a lot of the audience is at least somewhat complicit in doing this in participating in this like you know you're going to a horror movie and maybe you've like heard about it but even if you haven't like you can leave um and this is like a horror campaign and it's kind of shitty to be like look this kind of horrible terrible stuff is the whole point of the campaign why did you bring your girlfriend here uh you, you shouldn't have done that this is on you but um but anna didn't like sign up for that either she didn't know this is what she was getting into colin is relatively new. He may not have quite the idea of what was going on. I mean, I think basically, well, they did actually get up and walk away. Nobody, it's more of a social experience when you're in a group like this, right? There's the social pressure to keep going and to not be a spoil sport and all your friends are here. And so it's, I feel slightly less, um, it's slightly less consent-y sort of due to the pressure, but they did get up and walk away, which I'm very glad that they did. Ultimately, I think, like you said, uh, June should have basically just probably called the whole day off. Just been like, you know what? This isn't the right time for this. This this is not the right setting and the right players. Uh, we'll reconvene some other time to finish this up. And today we can like play board games or something. But, you know, he's also 17. He was put on the spot. Um, he's prideful and full of hormones and very mentally addled right now with all this emotional depression shit so i don't blame him that much for fucking this up and barreling forward instead of calling it off um doesn't mean it wasn't bad that he did that yeah 
You know, I, and I get that it's actually, this is a, a meta note too, because the story, this story worth the candle explicitly doesn't have uh, trigger warnings on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like, and I, I am prepared to find whatever's in here. And if there's something that's one of my buttons, then I'm like, oh, that sucks. Um, but I can push through because I, I don't have any buttons that are that hard to push or that can mm-hmm. be pushed hard enough to whatever, send me spiraling, right? Yeah. Um, if someone does have those, then they would see that this doesn't have a, you know, here's the heads up uh, disclaimer at the top. And they could say, you know, maybe not for me. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, I, I think that, uh, what are they? That trigger warning's got like a, a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, they, cause they, I think they were pushed for, but people who were, I think pushing for too much sometimes, but I think, yes. I think the general set, like the general idea actually is just fine. Like, yeah. you know, why not say what this is rated R for in the rated R description? Cause what if you really hate one particular thing and it's like, Oh, you know what? Great. I'm not going to like this. Um, so it, I, it, it's just like kind of a nice heads up. It does. It can spoil some stuff if you're like looking for a surprise. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if the person doesn't want to be surprised, maybe you put it behind spoiler text that you have to click to read, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I, I kind of like the, the TV ratings that uh, come on before shows that tells you, you know, in broad terms, the things that, why this got the rating it did. Smoking. Like, <laughs> there are cigarettes in this. That's why it's got a PG-13. Uh, is that in some of them? Uh, absolutely. Use of use of uh, tobacco is uh, oh. is on the list. Um, okay. But it's like swearing or, you know, um, drug and alcohol use or whatever. Uh, or, you know, violence or nudity or something, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know what he could have done? But I get it. They're high schoolers and he's not he's not in the zone where he is doing this optimally, but, um, he, he could have said, all right, look, we got a couple new people here. Let me give you guys, give you guys a heads up for what you're in for. And anyone who doesn't want to know you guys can leave, um, come mm-hmm. back in, you know, two minutes. And then he could, he could list off like, okay, we've got body horror, sexual horror, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. All the stuff. And then they'd be like, oh, that's super not my jam. Thanks for the invite. I'll catch you next time. Um, mm-hmm. And that would have been fine. But again, that's a, that's assuming everything was going great for June, which it wasn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Shall we continue? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, they, they're playing through the Felseed incident. They get to a town that has innocent people in it that are being tortured and uh, raped, some of them. And uh, basically, Colin wants to go in there and save them. And everyone else in the party is like, we can't save them. Let's just go around and continue on to Felseed. And uh, Colin says, we're heroes, though. And he's furrowing his brow. And Craig says, oh, sweet summer child. And I I actually laughed at this a little bit because I felt bad for Colin. He's like, we're, we're given the description of him up front as like a, a fantasy geek of the like, I don't know, the early variety. He's still, he's still reading like TSR and Dungeons and Dragons, heroic fantasy, high fantasy. And that that's what he's expecting. Uh, that's what he wants to do. He wants to slay the dragons and be the hero and rescue the maiden. And everyone else in the group did that already when they were like 10 and they've just progressed through all the phases. And now they're jaded teens in a horror setting. And so like, they're fine with it more or less, but like Colin, he's like, can, can you imagine going in to, to see you, you want to go see the Hobbit and instead you are subjected to the hills have eyes or some shit saw yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah totally uh you know what was funny about that too was i said oh you sweet summer child earlier in my notes before they say it in the story yes um, i saw that I, thought I so it was when uh 
uh, whoever I think was Craig used it, um, used the sword to go like uh, test it on the the randit. Um, mm-hmm. And then he loses HP and he says, okay, I sleeth it. I sleeth the, I sheath the, the blade slowly and gingerly. Then I return to the others weakened, but exuberant because Felseed isn't prepared for what we're bringing him. And I, <laughs> I already knew I was like, oh, you guys don't know that he, he's a dirty cheating cheater. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, you sweet summer child. And then they said it later. It's one of those, those meta notes of where uh, the book's reading our minds. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. It's uh, this is not, this is not his cup of tea. I think, yeah. or he, he doesn't know what he's getting into. Yeah. Uh, so going from that into straight, straight up depressing shit. Um, he talks about suicidality again, about the little thought that would never go away. The easy way out. Um, I, I always thought of it as like the promise of relief that at least this doesn't have to keep going forever. I think the major difference um, between like Uther and Dostyle and Hedonia, where they're like, they seem to be along the lines of, why should I keep going? I'm just going to like let this play out and end, which is, you know, one way of having a depressing time with your life. And then like June style suicidality is it's a different way. Like they both suck, but his is, you know, more like the suicide is something to be looked forward to because it means an end to the pain rather than just, you know, I don't see a reason to keep going, which is slightly different. Yeah. I'll ride this out without putting any effort in, uh, and then versus like, no, fuck that. We're putting pedal to metal and driving off a cliff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, he's not in a good headspace. No. Um, he, he proceeds to demonstrate that over and over by like, just hitting home about how fucked up this place is and all the terrible shit they're seeing. And mm-hmm. uh, finally, I think Anna gets up and leaves and then Colin comes back and uh, like, he, he's, he's upset given yeah because he, he's well he leaves to go with anna and then he comes back and he's like mm-hmm. there's this interesting kind of like mm, iron focus on continuing the story you know continuing the, the campaign right mm-hmm. it's like all player character let's go nope let's keep mm-hmm. playing i'm like oh he wants to get to the point where he can talk to the bad guy and then talk to june through him and that's essentially oh, what he does that is awesome yeah and that had not occurred to me oh nice that, that was why he was doing that yeah I, I mean, I might be wrong, but that, that's how I read it. No, just, that sounds that sounds really good. Because, you know, otherwise you just leave with Anna, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, no, okay, yeah, you're being a dick. We're out. But, he's, you know, he probably told her, like, okay, I'm going to go chew him out. I'll be out in, in a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so you grabbed a... Uh, yeah, he has... Colin has a comment to June about uh, his job and what he's doing. That, as the DM, it's his job uh, to make it feel real. To make this game that they're playing feel like a real thing. He says, you're doing everything that you can to bring some sense of realism. Or at least emotion to this. The emotions that you choose are calculated to piss people off. Or just make them unhappy. And I think that totally checks out with everything we've read and heard about up to this point. Um, June... June is doing this to make them feel emotions. I mean, that's kind of what art is, but he is aiming this specifically at his friends and the emotions he wants them to feel are misery, which I guess misery loves company. You know, when you feel bad, you're tr- sometimes you just want other people to feel bad too, especially just if you're not in a good emotional space. Yeah. I think that's, space. I think that's what it is. And that's why I think that he's doing it like, again, not subconsciously, but like not, uh, you know, with the, he's not sitting at home wondering how can I bum them out the most. 
he's just like, how much, I think he's sitting at home thinking, how can I put as much bummer as possible out into the world? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's my, that's my version of it. I could be totally off the mark though, but, um, yeah, you just want other people to commiserate and to know how you're feeling, you know? Yeah. I'm not happy. Let's make everyone else unhappy. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's kind of like, I, I'm thinking of that, uh, that I think I pulled this out later, actually where it's more, um, on the nose. So I'll save it for that. But, uh, God, so he's, uh, you know, this is where you June, know, what, what, before you go, um, on that, I just, like, it sort of occurred to me, I, I really loved the fifth season. I know I mentioned it before, uh, last episode of the episode before that, because it, it conveyed to the reader, the emotion of wanting the world to end because it's just so bad. There's no redeeming it. And, like what June's doing here and what a lot of a lot of people a lot of people probably all humans just need to be seen you know they need to be validated they need to have other people be like yeah i i see you i know you're there this is how you're feeling and and oftentimes people i mean it's not just that people are oppressed like people are actively discouraged from sharing negative emotions and it just feels like it can feel like nobody knows what this is like. Nobody cares about how I'm feeling. And so you're trying to, it's not even that you're trying to make people miserable, even though June is like, it's like a desperate cry for help of this is how I'm feeling. Can't anybody see that uh, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know what level to model June at. Like maybe it's cause I'm modeling myself as a 17 year old where I, I think I was scarcely sapient. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know and if I, don't- I would be like, I definitely had thoughts and feelings. But I think when I was doing stuff, you know, if I was like, if I was bummed, like I was aware that I was acting in a way to communicate that I was bummed um, mm-hmm. or depressed or whatever. But I don't know if like I went a step beyond that, which was like, I want other people to be bummed with me or to, I don't know, whatever. Right. But yeah, I don't think it's like a thought out thing, because if anybody thought about it, they would be like, oh, yeah, making other people as miserable as me is not a good way to get people to sympathize with me. But um, that's kind of like how it plays out when you aren't in tune with what's going on. Yeah. Inside okay. you. Yeah. I think we're talking about the same thing then. Um, yeah. yeah. I. Uh, what What is the name of? Well, the fifth season is the book. But what is the fifth season? I'm assuming the other ones are fall, spring, whatever, right? Oh, the fifth season is their term for when this is an apocalypse heavy world. It's extremely um, geologically active. And so every between few hundred and couple thousand years, there's like some major uh, event that throws tons of ash into the atmosphere, wipes out a large part of the continent and just sets the human race on race on uh, starvation for uh, a century again. So it, it it's it's a shit world. It's nothing can progress too terribly far and you know that you're going to get a fifth season one of these years again where everything is knocked back a ton of people die and uh there's starvation for a decade or two winter is coming exactly except it's nuclear winter except not basically geographic winter right on yeah um so anyway june could have backed down when colin points this out right Mm -hmm. but he doubles down and he's just yells it's the city of a thousand brides every single fucking thing that i've said about this place to let you know what it's like if you're dumb cunt of a girlfriend and it's so colin stands up and like june thinks oh he's gonna knock me out and i thought mm-hmm. he was too 
Um, mm. And that might have been part of the incident, right? It, when it's evolved into a, you know, a fight where somebody ends with a broken arm or a hospital visit. Um, but actually him just leaving, I think was fine. Like it it was actually basically as dramatic. Um, but, and it shows what a good person Colin is that he was like, he, he had the instinct to, to be violent. And then ultimately was like, you know what? No, I will get my things and I will go. And that is the mature, better thing to do. And it was like Colin fucking chat all the way. Yeah. No, he nailed it. Um, like I said, this is, if this was our protagonist, I'd be like, man, this isn't that much fun. You know, I don't like the character or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But this is this is the person that he is overcoming, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it just makes me feel bad for him, not like mad at him. Um, yeah. But <laughs> again, I, again, I pulled out all the levity I could in, these cha- in this chapter because I didn't know how dark it was going to get. Um, mm-hmm. Colin leaves and the seats stayed where they were. And he looks around. Was it something I said? <laughs> so I mean, his dark sense of humor is on point uh, yeah. I think that he makes a couple of other bad jokes like that where it's like okay yeah at least uh, oh that reminds me of uh, Demented Harry you know had, re- had retained oh. the capacity to be amused or something mm-hmm. was how he put it mm-hmm. and it's like okay yeah this is this is exactly that right I especially liked the, the follow up line no one found it funny because like even though it is kind of humorous adding that there just shows you how how bad the atmosphere is that no one can even like crack a smile. This is, this is not good juju in the room. Right. Yeah. It, it giving us the tone of the room, um, helps keep the tension where it's at. Right. Mm-hmm. If that was a tension breaking chuckle that the group got to share, then suddenly things can be working out again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been one thing, you know, throughout the book to be told, like I was an asshole. I regret things I did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first time we're really like seeing him do that from the first person. You know, like he's had flashbacks of like where he didn't go to Arthur's funeral and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But like we didn't. So we also like didn't get a flashback of him uh, punching that guy who said God works in mysterious ways or whatever. Um, yeah. We were just told about it. This is us getting a chance to see through this guy's eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they get to Felseed eventually, uh, after many horrors and they bust out the Vorpal Blade, which they spent several, three sessions, I think three full sessions going on a long quest to get it. And, uh, they, the the Vorpal Blade just like doesn't even touch him. He says the Vorpal Blade would never hurt its master. And then, you know, takes it from them and uses it to kill them. I think like that part with the Vorpal Blade was kind of a particularly dick move because as has been pointed out earlier by, by Colin and June too, just telling us throughout the whole story, like the whole point of the gaming is that the DM sets out a quest line that can lead to success. And the players like play it out. Like he created a multi-session quest to send them to get this thing that he knew was completely worthless. And it wasn't just to waste their time and make, make them feel like, what were we even doing for those three sessions? Were you laughing at us or something? But like specifically it was to give them hope that they could defeat this guy just to crush it and be like, nah, you, you never had a chance. Fuck you. Like giving people hope to crush that hope. Is, it's not good. Yeah. You phrased it perfectly. It's a dick move. Even I know that getting fuck all from a natural 20 is serious fuckery. <laughs> and this was a nat 20 role, wasn't it? It was, but you know, at that twenty doesn't matter at all if someone has immunity to something. 
or you know if it's his own blade i mean okay i've only played a handful of tabletop sessions but i feel like it would at least be good sportsman or you know good sportsman like conduct or spirit to like let something happen you know it'd be like if you were to attack a fire elemental with a fireball spell even if you got a natural 20 it's like so what it's made out of fire it doesn't get hurt you know against all odds it you know um you know he looks down and he's amazed to see that his arm is singed you know something like that right Mm. like it, it wouldn't really damage him it wouldn't uh it wouldn't win you the fight um, but you know, like if you're if you're wasting your time on it, but you know, just give them, throw them a bone. You know, now, the whole point is to let them know there was never any bone to be thrown. Well, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or I mean, yeah. that, that's what you said too. But I, I think that it's just another spit in the face that this was a, a natural twenty roll. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, like, at least June wasn't dumb enough to try and chase down the sword of Felseed slaying uh, yeah. before they went to go. You know, I guess he could have spent the next chapter doing it, but I assumed that he wasn't going to. Uh, Mm because it hadn't come up yet but Mm -hmm. if you had ever heard of like well there's there's legend of a sword that he's like nope pass (laughs) (laughs) i know this bullshit yeah i'm not doing that one yeah so he says at the end after everyone leaves and tells him he's a dick um he's thinking tanking the session and the whole campaign with it was something that i regretted as soon as it was done what little satisfaction i'd gotten from it had evaporated immediately and I wanted to pull this out because he says what little satisfaction I'd gotten from it. It 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 felt like he was hurting them because it gave him some satisfaction to do so, which comes up in the Felseed description of Felseed himself. Like it, it feels like this June was becoming like Felseed in in the small way that he could in Bumblefuck, Kansas. The 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 whole wanting to hurt people and getting satisfaction out of it because I don't know, because that's your thing. You know, drawing the parallel to Felseed, who incidentally looks like him, um, mm-hmm. makes gives your point more clout, actually. I was prepared to just, like, push back on June's, like, maybe this is, this is an unreliable narrator, but this is him reporting how he felt, but I think he felt he was describing his feelings incorrectly. Um, mm. Like, I think it's, I was thinking that it's more like what, Bethel was saying about violence. It doesn't give him satisfaction. It just lets him forget his own depression as he pulls everyone else down for one second. You know, Um, it's not like he feels better. It just, he feels comparatively less bad. Um, Okay. But now I think that, that you kind of nailed it. Like Felsey looks like him. um, And he's described as the doing the same thing. Well, why is he evil? Because that's his motivation. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Yeah. So like, if yeah i mean i think i think the text supports your reading on it um okay. yeah but yeah felseed is just every single little bad thing in june that he fears because he got some thrill out of out of hurting someone just amplified to 11 million i mean this seems like and i i did spend a, a, like i said a while thinking about this um this this seems like it would be the kind of place where i'd look for like felseed's one weakness right um but I can't quite picture what the weakness is in that. Like, give him something else more fun. Give him antidepressants. Like, Felsey <laughs> has no friends to kill or threaten. You know? So, yeah. like, I I thought there was actually a non-zero chance that on the way there, they'd be like, you know, the guy would just be desperately bored and willing to not kill them for exchange of having someone to talk to. Um, but, no, nah, he's he just wants to hurt people. 
Um, and then of course, you know, the gambit of like, look, I'll let you keep hurting people if you, uh, if you let us through and that didn't work either. So, uh, Mm. no, I mean, I, I can't think of, uh, I'll keep, I'll keep my, my, I'll keep thinking on it, but I, I haven't identified his weakness. Um, we, that's the end of the flashback. I mean, the whole chapter, but then we get this nice little bit at the end where Amarillo says, thank you for sharing, which blew my mind because mm. Amarillo's let him sit on this without telling her the whole time. Um, mm. You know, she had known about the incident, but not what it can, not what it consisted of until like the day before they're going. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm kind of amazed that she let him sit on it for that long. It didn't make her tell him or make him tell her months ago. Like, look, we can do it in private, you know, but I need to know so I can sit there and stress about it for two months with actual information. I even yesterday, I would have totally agreed with you. It does seem like a totally not Amaryllis thing to do, but um, in light of the listener feedback from earlier today, it, it was kind of the perfect partner thing to do to let him sit on it and not tell them until he was ready to, which, you know, is was is dumb if you're utility maximizing, but is the perfect thing to do if you are the perfect partner in every way, or just a good friend. I mean, like a really, really good friend. Um, but you're right because it's so out of character for her. I think you're right that yeah. it it definitely points at that. Um, I I, just, I had to pull out too the they they pitch a couple of ideas on how to deal with them. Um, I liked Crack's idea. I think it's the best. We invent a weakness and then hope that the dungeon master is in a good mood. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing that I think could possibly work because the dungeon master might, like, you know, first of all, be in a good mood and be impressed and be like, yeah, I can play along with this. Improv means you say yes and. Yeah. And it's interesting because Felseed isn't the DM. I mean, every NBC is the DM, yada, yada. But, like, we've met the DM and he's not angsty June, right? Right. He's at least somebody else, uh, some different. He's not June at age 17 when he's an asshole. And so, uh, you know, they bring a mirror, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, legend had it that he can't see his own reflection or he'll explode. Right. Uh And like that, that actually wouldn't be the worst thing to try. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I, that it seems like anything that they could try just is destined not to work. Um, Val, I can give him an argument. I'll just argue into not killing us. Easy and also peasy. Um, <laughs> first of all, I, I think she says it that way because she knows that's not going to be that easy. Okay, I you know I had a hard time uh, reading into that. I didn't know if she was trying to break tension or if she was trying mm. to point out how absurd it was. She's like, "Well, here's my strength. Obviously, it's not going to work." Um, so, uh, I, but also that's just a cute way to put it. So we for, we we like having you back around, Val. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's about it i got for this chapter uh solace isn't going um solace is not going which you know i don't but know the they, the, d- the dough can go anywhere which is even better oh yeah no stopping her but like alexander did a good job of like making me not care that solace is gonna do her own thing yeah like before she's more of the party i think it's just less screen time and like the bits that we have had like you know have made us like her less um there's definitely been a slow divorcing of solace from the rest of them and uh yeah, it's been pretty effective. Yeah, so this like doesn't come as a surprise or a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they're on the road to Felseed. Excellent. Chapter 229, The Road. And they're on the road, moving invisibly at several times the speed of sound. Um, mm-hmm. In like the size of a needle. You know, so like what I loved about it was just like, okay, this plan is too good to work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 going 
2000 miles an hour, the size of a pin, like, and they're invisible just for good measure. Right. And their uh, time for them is slowed down. So they have like a lot of time to observe and react to everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was like glacial outside compared to what they're doing. And it made me me think of that. uh, Is there a story or uh, something you'd seen on a show or movie where, where like it's a Zeppelin chase? yeah it was a novel yeah and so it's like okay well we're we're in the middle of the scariest part of hell right now but uh it's slow going game of scrabble anybody like you know (laughs) yeah nothing to be done here but keep our eyes open and chat yeah and i'd hoped a bit that uh you know if felseed was june's angst which he was that maybe he'd be super depressed now um and he might be, mm-hmm. but he, he hasn't lost the energy to be a, you know, um, ener- a, uh, an enthusiastic piece of shit. So yeah. uh, we didn't luck out there. No, I, you know, I also was thinking as like June was saying that he not having anyone to perform for and to to outrage and disgust was going to just drag him down. But, uh, you know, apparently as soon as some new people showed up, he perked right back up. I think, yeah, he's not just, I mean, I don't know. He's obviously primarily a manifestation of June's angst and depression and uh, glimmering desire to cause pain sometimes. Um, And I think think the fact that June saw that in himself and was so horrified by it that just, just this, the fact that he could feel some small satisfaction at hurting people, and especially his friends, like it dominated his mind and his conception of himself as a bad person so completely that like it turned into Felseed on Arab, this giant thing. So I think, you know, on the one hand, that might say kind of good things about him that he's so disturbed by this, but also he he may be suffering from some uh from some moral scrupulosity OCD here if he's uh if he's that fixated on on something that, you know, he didn't do anything that terrible. It was it was bad, but compared to the things that other people do all the time, it wasn't that bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I like what you're saying. I think that it, it definitely speaks to him, uh, speaks to his moral character in that uh, he feels bad about it, right? Yeah. Like, it... Well, and- not just that he feels bad about it, but the fact that he obsesses over it and it becomes such a huge thing says something about both him and his, his m- mental issues. Yeah, but I think that, you know, if he had killed one of his friends, then it makes sense to obsess over it, right? Yeah. This was smaller, and so, like, he felt bad because he did basically the most damage he could do without hurting anybody, you know? I don't think it was about the damage for him. I think it was that he felt, like, some glimmer of satisfaction in causing the pain, and that that's what, you know, caused him to freak out and and have this horrible image of himself. Yeah. No, I, I, that's a... That's a good point. And again, it's uh, it's not like it's a coincidence that Felsey looks kind of like him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, I think he nailed it. Okay. Uh, this I, I had to pull out, I think, the first... I mean, other than the fact that, you know, Felsey can see Bethel and reacts to her in time. Uh, the, the first, like, okay, this guy cheats out the wazoo. Um, mm-hmm. He's got, you know, they're moving at the speed of five times of sound. And exploding from the ground is like this whatever uh what is it it's a thing that opens up its casing uh goes off with an yeah, explosive the, blast 
and there's a giant void bomb inside. Yeah, like after the chunks of earth that he's hurling at them miss and smash into each other, coming out of that collision is, yeah, this casing with a void bomb inside of it that gets flung at them. Yeah, I think she teleported further ahead, which she had no way of knowing that she could do. Uh, mm-hmm. But he already had a void bomb ready for her. And, you know, obviously, so it's like, okay, yeah, this guy cheats here too, which is fine. But it made me made me think about, like, Void, the, the weapon, just because, like, it's been around since super early in the story. And we don't use it that often because it angers this Eldritch monstrosity. But it's kind of cool that there's, like, this universal kryptonite. Uh, yeah. There's there's no form of magic that it that is... Uh, able to protect against it i mm-hmm. don't even think Grack can stop it no not with warding yeah the only thing i can stop it is a couple inches of steel or you know any sufficiently dense substance but but there's I but mean, there's no way there's no the, magic right exactly stop it. yeah it's in a world full of mages and and wards and all this chicanery it's kind of like the great equalizer right yeah yeah and then of course no one's allowed to use it so um <laughs> but uh, I just I like that as a kind of just element of the world. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really good. Speaking about those void bombs being flung at them out of out of these colliding chunks of earth, Emerald says, "At no point should anyone worry about how anything he's done is possible. It isn't. He cheats. We know this. And despite the fact that she's saying that, it's still like when you are living it, it's hard to grok that." Like, the DM honestly just made this up on the fly when you did something to counter what you did. Like, they go into the ephemeral uh, ephemeral zone and like, oh, you're going to the ephemeral zone. Well, it just so happens you already booby-trapped it with do- dozen floating balls that shoot electricity every, you know, few dozen feet. Uh, you're fucked. And like, you know, oh, so you think you can teleport ahead and uh, dodge these chunks of rock i'm throwing at you guess what after they hit each other and miss you they spit out void bombs aimed directly at you just because and like you you literally can't beat god because god can react to anything you do in any way he wants it's it almost seems pointless to try because it's he can alter reality on the fly you know yeah um because i think i'll forget i'll bring up my counter example to the thing you're about to say which is that I think when June was, you know, coordinating the Felsied incident, um, I don't know, like other than fudging numbers, he wasn't making stuff up on the fly. He had just set things up in such a way that the team was fucked. Um, so like there was an mm-hmm. explanation for it. Oh, this was his sword all along, right? Yeah. Um, he was, you know, but, he, he was never permeable to damage. Uh, well, originally he was just in a regular palace made out of regular materials. And when someone else brought up, oh, I bet they're made out of gross biological stuff too. He's like, hell yeah, they are. The walls are made out of scar tissue and the carpets are made out of tongues, you know? That's a good point. But that that was more about setting than the guy's feats, right? Sure. But anything they came up with, he could have said, no, it doesn't work because of this or that. When they had that like ring that they tele- uh, shot up in a cannon above the cloud cover of London so they could portal sunlight <laughs> into into the chapel to kill the vampire, he could have said any number of things like, you do that and, oh, the cannon misfires. Or, you know, you got some bad gunpowder, you bought it from a guy who's been, uh, who's been in debt and so has been cutting his gunpowder with sawdust and it doesn't quite make it up over the clouds. Like, right. he can say anything. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah. then, like, the really crazy thing is, Right after, almost directly after she says this, June is saying, I did wonder when and how he had gotten enough void crystals to carpet his own with them out to 50 miles away from the city. My guess was that they'd been brought in by a conspirator, 
but it could have happened ages ago. And like, technically, yes, maybe that would be the DM's excuse. If some player said, what, that's bullshit. How did he have all these void crystals? He'd be like, well, you know, about 150 years back, some conspirator brought him in when he bribed them or something. Like, but even June is thinking causally here like it matters, like a noob, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't. The entire thing can be retroactively altered at any point to be literally true that this literally did happen 150 years ago, but it wouldn't have happened 150 years ago if they hadn't just now done what they did, you know? Yeah. The, you know, it's not about how he got them. It's about why. And he has them because nothing else would have worked. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is, maybe we're not going to get a direct example of schlossing, but this is, this is that in action, right? Exactly. And so it's like, oh yeah, uh, there's cultists that worship him and they brought him some. Mm-hmm. Or there's some way to make them that only he discovered, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Point is, you guys were going to get there if you're, if you guys, if those weren't in the way. So I had to stop you. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Amaryllis, I just, she says, second guessing isn't part of the plan. We're a team. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, second guessing isn't part of the plan. <laughs> it's not part of any plan ever. Yeah. Um, and then I was, oh, I just had this thought of like, oh shit, I hope she's not the one who dies here. Maybe it's, you know, mm. with the Bond girl stuff and not, or whatnot. Yeah. And it's like, no, take the locust instead. Bond deer. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I'd, I'd rather I mean, give up he the did just sleep with her, so it might work. Yeah, exactly. She's on the table. Oh, I, I love the part of there being a plan where like, you know, okay, hold on. We're an hour and a half into the movie. Now's the part of the plan where we second guess ourselves. That I mean, having... A schedule like if you're if you're planning some cool you know thirteen step heist or whatever, mm-hmm. ha- having step seven or whatever be let's reassess the next six steps actually mm-hmm. is a smart thing. But mm-hmm. you know that's different than second guessing the plan. Um, it but it's like reassessing, right? Yeah, uh, I think scheduling that would actually make a really fun ingredient for a plan. Does this still make sense given what's happened already? Um, but yeah, it's like. Uh, you know, second guessing is not part of the plan. It's like, yeah, if you guys read the giant document I put together, you'll see that second guess isn't anywhere in there. Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, they land because he wants them to walk. Oh, yeah. And it's a 32-mile trek, um, mm-hmm. which I think a good marching pace would get them like 25 miles, which means they are going to be doing this for over a day. Um, and uh, no They can't even... They, they, it says it takes them several days because they can't even just do a solid march. They have to stop several times to uh, take down bodies, bottle them, or fight uh, monsters that get in their way. Yeah, uh, it's full of horrors. Uh, mm-hmm. They do try, like you said, to be heroes, which I thought was cool. It wasn't until it I think Craig pointed it out, um, or Tom, or one of them in the um, the flashback, that like, wait, do we stop and help people? Um, and I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna have to fly past all of the, all of his thousand brides, like on their way in. Um, mm-hmm. But no, as soon as they can, they're like, nope, we're heroes. And they they don't even, you know, they don't seem to mind the the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Good on that. It, yeah. And it's, they don't have, you know, nearly as the problem that, uh, that Colin and the party had, that uh, they were limited on resources. I mean, they are somewhat limited on resources, but... <laughs> not they, realistically. They, they have... Yeah. yeah, exactly. They can carry all these people and not notice the extra uh, encumberment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So as they're walking, they're not talking. And Palda says, are we just going to walk in silence? What in the fuck is the point of marching to your death death, if you're not going to have fun doing it? 
which I, I mean, I pulled out this and there's another Paladin thing later on I pull out because I love these sorts of characters. Paladin's the best. She gets a heart emoji from me. I mean, the only thing that cheapens it is that she's not walking to her death. Mm. She's the only one who's guaranteed to, to live through that. Well, I suppose if he's feeling particularly uh, vindictive, he could find some way to keep her alive for a million years and torture her, he, right? He probably could, yes. Yeah. That sounds like a fell seed thing to do. I was thinking because she's, you know, she's running in ready to get her head cut off and she's like, fuck it, I'll start from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so she can go in, you know, with a skip in her step, but no one else gets that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So again, 32 miles, they suck. Uh, it rains babies at some point because of course it does. I think the second that it was mentioned about like the hell fat or the soul factory explosions, mm-hmm. I bet someone else like in the Reddit discussion when it was happening, pitched the idea and he's like, Oh, that's fun. That's going in at some point. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Or he had the idea the whole time, but mm-hmm. uh, I just like how he's describing it for the first couple, couple miles. Then it says third mile. Look, this one for 32 miles. There's no way for me to give you a sense of the monotony of it. You know, the, it's just, he basically is like, look, it sucked. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Mm-hmm. L- let me, let's not, let's not ruin your day and make me spend all day describing it. Yeah. He says, if I were to describe it all, you wouldn't keep reading this book. Yeah. He does also say that the horrors we saw, the point was to be gross, to be crude, to shock and disgust, all to the point of apathy and boredom. And, you know, the kind of describes how part of the reason he doesn't describe some of the horrors, I guess, is because they do just eventually it doesn't doesn't it can't get to you anymore and like i like this particular insight because i almost get the feeling that felsey doesn't just want to horrify he wants to turn them into him in a way where they're like they're so steeped in these atrocities that they become commonplace and boring and you know that's that's a that's a deep way of fucking someone up when you make them inured to atrocities inured to atrocities i don't know if i'm pronouncing that because of their, you know, you've just seen too many of them. You can't be, you can't continue to to have those emotions processed by your brain. Yeah, i I think you're on. I think he definitely just wants to sap them all of all their joy and will to live. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's less about turning them into him because he still does want to kill them at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more like you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna approach me, you know, with fire in your heart. And a, a will to, or like, you know, and I can do this all day kind of vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, sl- you're gonna just shuffle in here, distressed and worn out, because that's yeah. just how I like it when I kill somebody, right? Completely yeah. ground down, and almost, you know, almost that whole wanting to make other people feel what you feel kind of thing, maybe, maybe is part of this. It could be. Yeah, I wonder is. You know, is the fell seed here like June who's depressed and wants everyone else to be depressed with him? Or is he the manifestation of that? The monster that just loves to make people hurt? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, so I think it could be both. I combination. Th- th- the way that I'm trying to articulate it in my brain is that it's it really can't be both. Like his, his emotional core is either just relishing and delight at, you know, that look when someone, you know, when hope leaves that person's eyes, right? Yeah. Or it's that in front of like this crushing depression of just like, God, nothing makes me feel anything. So I like it when people, you know, give up in front of me because then I know they're not feeling anything either. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's got that depression layer behind it or if he is just a sadistic monster. See, I think that he is empty inside. He is that feeling that June had 
right after he had that flash of satisfaction uh, of hurting his friends, just the emptiness afterwards. And that, at its core, is Felseed. And all he can pursue is do is try to pursue those occasional flashes of satisfaction by utterly destroying people. But the vast majority of the time, he's just hollow and dead. The only time I guess he can feel slightly alive is when he's making other people feel that kind of thing. And that's what gives him a bit of joy. Did any of that make sense? Yeah, I guess I, I don't have, at least to my satisfaction, enough evidence to put it in one way or the other. Um, that's true. This is a lot of me is just, you know, trying to, to get into Felsey's head with very little evidence. No, totally. And so am I. I just, that's just, that's just where I'm at is I, I don't know which head is his. Um, mm-hmm. Like, is, is he, is he just the shallow level of like, this is the manifestation of that depression. And that is this monster that just loves killing people. Or is he that depression itself as well? Um, yeah. I suppose we'll find out. Hopefully, maybe. Um, well, June has an opinion on this too, because Amaryllis asks him, why is he doing this? Right. Uh, oh, yeah. He hates us. Hates us with a burning passion. This is all foreplay for what he kills us down to the last, which will take a while because he's not going to make it happen fast. And Amaryllis says, no, not Felseed. Him, I understand. Why is the dungeon master doing this? And June says, same answer. And she says, if you believe that, then why are we doing this? And... Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh man, she's never lived in a society where the question of like, why does God let bad things happen is an uninteresting and unanswered background mystery to most people. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Like she, she just, she oh, just invented man. her religion and she hasn't had to like invent theodicy yet mm-hmm. or have, or have theodicy be whatever, 1400 years old or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When was Thomas Aquinas oh. alive? I think I just showed my ignorance. I think he was 600 years old, not 1400 years old. Yeah, it was certainly in the uh, four-digit years. Okay, yeah. I'm probably wrong on both counts either way, so... Um, I think the 1400 sounds much closer to it than uh, than the 600s. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that, that's my thought on her uh, um, her response there. Well, I have another question about this to you. Uh, he, he says, you know, that the Dungeon Master hates them with a burning passion, and this is all foreplay for when he kills them down to the last which will take a while because he's not going to make it fast. So like, do you think that's true that the DM hates him or them with a burning passion and wants to grind them down and then slowly torture them to death? Um, I mean, it's hard to see. It's hard to imagine otherwise when they get there. Right. Um, cause that's what keeps happening. But, uh, I don't think that's the point. And I think that June says that because, the day is getting to him because it's been a shitty day. Um, and that's just, you know, the answer that came to him. Right. I don't think that if she had asked him a week ago, I don't think he'd have given this answer. Um, okay. So you don't think June truly believes this. He's just, he's just in a shit mood. Yeah. I think he's just express. I think that's just an expression of him, you know, having to dodge babies falling from the sky for two hours. Um, so yeah, I don't think that, uh, the DM hates them. I think that that's just him, you know, feeling stressed out but then it does kind of make you wonder why the fuck is the dm doing this to them and it's to teach june a lesson but that's not an answer and like that's not a sufficient explanation yet because i don't know what lesson or how this is teaching it like that was a dick move to do to your friends but he knows that um yeah yeah it's it's not clear to me maybe i mean i i hate the whole this is purgatory thing that sometimes comes up in these sorts of stories but maybe this is purgatory and june has to go through these 
trials that are reflections of what he did in his own life in order to be purged and be worthy to enter a, a heaven purgatory um i mean that, that's where the word comes from yes yeah i know but i just made that connection oh okay cool i'm really slow at those making connections yeah, that's cool no i mean nah, nah. like i think it was like four or five years ago when i realized that oj simpson was called the juice because <laughs> orange juice <laughs> and his initials are oj yeah that's, so that that's what okay. i mean like i'm really slow at picking these things up um you know sometimes there's just things that slip through your cracks there's i i'm sure i've mentioned at least one on this podcast and i can't remember it but there's been things that it took me a long long time to realize that like oh that okay oh yeah and it's not like i came across the name oj simpson even once every three years you know Um, yeah oh that's right you weren't you weren't conscious during the crazy oj trials that was in the 90s right uh that was i believe it was in the 90s yeah yeah i mean i wasn't i certainly wasn't watching the news um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm aware of the aftermath, but uh and I, you know, um the lawyer on Seinfeld was based on uh OJ's lawyer, that sort of stuff. Like I I, I grew up in the culture that had OJ Simpson's stuff in it, right? But no, right, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the trial, no. Yeah. Um Okay. I, I'm I'm a little disappointed then that it's the the same answer is just June being really grumpy rather than an actual insight into what June thinks the DM. Because well, that would have been really interesting. If, if June thought this of the DM, then Amaryllis's question there, of like, then what the hell are we even doing here is a really, really good question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're just giving the DM what he wants, which is to see you be tortured. Right. And June's reply is because there's a chance. Um, but, it, but if this really was what he thought the DM's goal was, it's like, then there isn't, there actually isn't a chance. Yeah. There's, a, there's as much of a chance as your party that you had fight Felseed winning, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, what were, what were their odds? They were always zero. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, short of uh, Raymer pulling a knife to your, putting a knife to your throat and saying this, this hit lands and we win. Um, <laughs> right. Which unless you can get to the DM and pull that maneuver, uh, then they were always going to lose. Right. Yeah. There was no way in game they were there that they were ever going to win. So I don't think June's first answer of, you know, the DM hates us is consistent with his reply to Amaryllis. I don't even think it's true for June. I don't think that when June was doing that to his friends, it was because he hated them. Like, maybe he's saying that now because he thinks poorly of himself. But, you know, I I, I think that he's just plain wrong if he's trying to imply that he did that to his friends because he hated his friends and wanted them to suffer. I don't think that's true at all. No, yeah, that's a really good point. That that reinforces my belief that he's he's in a very understandably sour mood. Yeah. So uh, everyone's in a very understandably sour mood. And June is saying, you know, they've been doing this for days now. It was wearing on everyone except perhaps Bethel, who was a staff (laughs) and had no face for me to read. And, you know, I hadn't thought this the first time reading through. But now I'm like, I wonder what Bethel makes of all this. Because she did very similar things during her tenure as a haunted (laughs) house. Like gruesome murders, torture, Posing victims in horrific scenes to be discovered by their friends, sometimes like still bleeding, living like she she did basically all these things, just not at such great scale. And I'm like, I really wish I we had some inclination as to what her feelings and thoughts are as she's going through this herself. And if she feels like regret, remorse, if she even makes the connection. I think that we have a good enough read on Bethel, at least for me to make an educated guess. Um or to make a pretended educated guess. Uh, okay. I, I think that if, if I'm put on my Bethel hat, 
and I'm here watching all this, I have this thought of like, oh, that's really clever. Oh, I shouldn't think it's clever. Um, like, oh. you know, it's actually horrifying. I know it's horrifying, but if I was still the bad person that I used to be, I would. That would be such a fun thing to have tried. Um, I think those right. are the kind of thoughts going through our head. Okay, that's but, that's really good. I mean, it's it, a lot better than anything I had. Well, I I, I don't know. To I think I, I'm not super literate, but if there's one thing I I think I am good at with uh, people, be they fictional or or otherwise, is like what would almost be describable as like a uh, pathological level of empathy, um, mm-hmm. which I can turn on or off, not off, off, but I can dial up or down, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I can watch a, you know, I'm trying to think of a random thing, but you know, like I, I can watch the same thing in different moods. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let this really hit me this time and like cool. really feel more feeling than they're feeling in the show. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's just, I don't know. Uh, that said, I could be totally off the mark. Um, you know, maybe no, it's, she's it's, maybe she's sitting there with, with just focusing on this itching discomfort of like, God, I wish I was a house right now, uh, and like is <laughs> unable to kind of like really pay attention to what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll never really know unless we get a a something from her perspective. But uh, I like your insight; that was really cool. Oh, I appreciate it. Another thing that I'd like, because it's really fucking cool, is Little Pallida, who, uh, in contrast to everyone else, is burning with an anger that she'd been keeping up for nearly the whole time we've been walking down this forsaken road, which, again, love, love this character. Like, the fact that she has this rage and it continues to, like, fuel her and be rage after days of this shit is just the best. I, man, Pallida's almost... You know, if it wasn't for Finn, she'd be my new favorite mm-hmm. character. See, you can help me with this one because I, I don't, I can't understand why she's, I mean, is she mad because this is a terrible place and it sucks that it exists? Yes. She uh, wants to destroy it. Okay. See, that that's just not my read on her character. Um, so I like your, I guess you're, what you're saying is this is showing us behind the curtain of who she is. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. that I like that. I see. I didn't put that together. I, I made a joke, I think, in my notes about how she's just mad that they wouldn't let her sing. Um, <laughs> like, so that's hilarious. My, my ability to to look into people's heads is uh, is not does not work for every for every character. It seems um, okay. Yeah, I, I you know the I, it wasn't until you said that you liked it and like why? Because she's mad. Like oh, yeah, oh she's, okay, she's, she's mad because she has the energy to be pissed at this. That's why you like it. Okay. Yeah, she's burning in rage at the injustice, and she still has yeah the energy to to fight to keep fighting. But maybe it was just like I didn't I didn't want to get into this. I this is more than I bargained for. Why don't you let me sing? Like <laughs> <laughs> never should have joined up with these losers, right? Uh, so Val does this awesome thing uh, where she does the speed running of conversations for everybody because. People are getting snappy and is about to destroy the party, which is maybe what Felseed was actually going for all along so that they would come in weekend. Although it doesn't matter. He can kick their asses anyway. But um, but she keeps the party together by speedrunning them through a whole bunch of conversations that she thought would help. And I think that's really cool. And I guess it probably wouldn't work in real life unless we were trudging through literal hell to our deaths. But, but man, that's a cool fucking hack. And I wish that was doable. I think with a group of sufficiently patient and insightful people it could work i guess maybe i'm just wanting to like uh 
think really well of myself, but I'd like to imagine that this could work on me. I would like to imagine so too, but also by the time it's needed, it probably wouldn't work any more because we'd be so agitated, right? Well, I think that's why she stopped before anything, Mm. you know, happened. Yeah. She's like, all right, people are about to get mad. Um, That said, and this is also confused to me, she ignored Palada's discomfort this whole time. And like, she's just Mm. more pissed and she doesn't say anything to help defuse her. Um, well, probably because Palada is enraged at Felseed and the situation, and that doesn't need to be diffused. It could be harnessed, maybe. And she's not that dangerous, maybe. Like Certainly it, not compared to anyone else in the party, yeah. Yeah, if any of the rest of them decided to, like, lash out, they could just kill everybody. Whereas if Palada tried, she would just die, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. All she can really do is find traps and disarm them and unlock doors. Yeah. But one of the things that Val says in these things is that uh, uh, Raven is wondering why is it always women, and in fact Juniper knows why it's always women, which is that he finds he personally finds it more shocking and horrible when bad things happen to women, especially if there's some element of sexuality involved. And I mean, even though she's she's saying this of Juniper specifically, like I think that's basically true of everyone in the western world like not just juniper he's not exceptional in that and possibly all humans but i don't want to say that with a good high degree of certainty um you you get that impression too right yeah i think it's she would say uh you know juniper and what was her boyfriend's name jorge like oh yeah she could have been like yeah juniper and jorge get it right yeah um it's just because he's the only guy here um so oh okay yeah yeah i think his uh his i I mean but i think again in the western world and maybe in the the entire human species women also find it more shocking and horrible when bad things happen to women it's just kind of a a thing i wonder why raven is confused then maybe she's an outlier maybe she specifically is thinking this says bad things about juniper because maybe she's an outlier or maybe it's just getting to her and she's blaming juniper for it and that's uh that's what Val is heading off. Because like you could you even if you know and you agree that things are more shocking and horrible when they happen to women, you just keep seeing it over and over and over, and you know that this is based on Juniper's subconscious psyche, and you're like, What why is it always women, Juniper? Like she could start to be blaming him for that even even if she grocks it. Yeah, that could be part of the rising tension. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, man, what the hell, dude? This is fucked yeah yeah i i love uh that she he's like can i have like a moment to defend myself she's like sure or i could do it if you want and he's like yeah go for it and even he's like able to acknowledge that's kind of amusing um mm-hmm. and she makes a great steel man of him mm-hmm. which is to say you know he gives a perfect explanation of this right in a way yeah. that doesn't paint him a bad light it just explains where he's where his head's at um yeah and you know he's He's perfectly equitable. The one thing she does do is say uh, something about Juniper's misogyny. And he's like, well, hold up a minute. Yeah, she specifically says that this thing that she's describing is Juniper's misogyny. And I, I, the only thing I would uh, tell her to hold up for a second would be like, uh, like misogyny seems like a, like an active, um, whatever bias, right? Not an implicit one. Right. I mean, I I would say Juniper's implicit, uh, whatever sex based bias, because misogyny is like, uh, you know, I hate women. Right. And if it's not, then we need a different word for like, what's the person who like hates women and is aware of that and happy about it. 
Right. Like that, if that's that, maybe that, that's what I thought misogyny was. If that's not it, then it has a, has a different word for it. Um, but Juniper's not also, that he's just, he shares the bias that is super common, uh, of like, oh man, you know, watching women get killed is extra gross. Yeah. And I mean, the, the really weird thing is, yeah, it, the, what you said, the bias is that women being hurt is much worse than men being hurt, which is like not misogyny. It's misandry maybe, or, or possibly, you know, some kind of bad thing wired into humans that uh, we would get rid of with transhumanism. So like the opposite of whatever, whatever transhumanism is, but it's explicitly a thing that um, in this case, at least uh, says that men are worth less than women. So like, that's, that's just the opposite of misogyny. That's a good point. I mean, the, I don't think this really counts again as misogyny for the sake of my understanding of the word, but one could, could push back and say like by, being more disturbed by their death or something and their their suffering you're putting on them this this mindset that they can't take it as well as you can that they're that they're more fragile um otherwise it would bother you the same i don't know if that's exactly true but i think that that would be the reply no i think that's just objectively false it's not that they're more fragile it's that they're more valuable and i mean maybe they are more fragile as well that might be a thing but that's not why the feeling of it's extra bad is there. The feeling is it's extra bad because they are more valuable. Yeah. Or I mean, so like, like evolutionarily should be protected. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think that that might be the Evo psych explanation for it, but that's not the lived explanation for it. Uh, it might be, it, it very well could be. Um, but like the, the evolutionary psychology explanation for a thing is very often not why we actually feel the thing. Right. Sure. But I mean, the thing that is being felt is that, it's worse when women are hurt than when men are hurt, right? Yeah. And so like that, that can have a couple of different interpretations. It's like it's worse because they can't handle it as much, or it's worse because they're more important to society, or it's worse because, uh, you know, some insert mystical thinking or something, right? Okay. I guess, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, pe- yeah. people can have all kinds of explanations for that feeling, uh, even though I think the feeling probably is there because uh, – you know, women could have babies and men can't. And uh, right. our, our, uh, the deepest part of our inner monkey understands that um, and really understands very little else. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's probably where the feeling comes from. But that's not where like, you know, like that, that's like, um, you know, why do, why do humans love their babies? Right. And it's like, we don't love them because they're the cutest, most adorable things in the entire universe. Uh, well, actually, that is why. Um, <laughs> what it is, is that that's not what evolution programmed into us. Evolution just programmed in the love right yeah because otherwise this is the thing that kept us up all night and you know was constantly getting shit under our fingernails we would put outside (laughs) um so like it's like no no actually now it's the cutest thing in the universe and you're like oh my god i would die for this and kill all of you for this thing right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh so the the lived feeling of it is different than the programmed feeling of it yes yeah or the reason for the lived feeling yeah right right i the other thing that I thought was maybe by Juniper's misogyny, she meant the fact that all these women women are being raped and tortured uh, in, in front of people because that's certainly misogynistic to do that. But, you know, in that case, she mispronounced Felseed's misogyny <laughs> <laughs> because this is not Juniper's doing uh, any more than it is his doing that anyone is being tortured or raped. Yeah, if you're going to blame him for this, you're going to blame him for every person who broke their toe 
you know, on Arab in the history of the planet, right? Right. So, and I mean, unless you're going to make the argument that June is responsible for all of Arab, which I don't think Raven wants to do, then, uh, then yeah, then that's just a mispronunciation. I think we can say that he created it on some level, but I don't think that whatever instantiation of June this is, is responsible for it. Um, yes, it, it might be like, you know, old jaded June. Hell, maybe it's like some... Maybe like June way in the far future really dissed someone really bad. And so they're getting revenge on June by torturing this simulation of him. I don't know. Yeah, there's all kinds of explanations uh, or, you know, things about that. But it's like we can't we can't blame this guy. Right. Yeah. We not can, the one that's right here in front of us. No. Right. Um, I liked the uh, um, like the bit about where June's thinking dead women made me uncomfortable in a way that dead men didn't. And that was at a sub intellectual level. Um mm-hmm. This was a thing in a, I haven't mentioned Wheel of Time in a few months. Um, hmm. The protagonist in that has the same hang up because he, it's not even a modest Midwestern upbringing. He's raised, you know, in Bumblefuck Farmville in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> right. so, um, you know, that that has all this turned up to 11. And uh, the, he does like this thing, because he's also going insane throughout the entire series, um, where he sits there and rehearses the name of every woman that's died because of him or that he had to kill. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's, it's part of his like way of making himself go fucking nuts, which because he knows that going crazy is part of what's going to happen. I feel like he doesn't take enough steps to prepare for that. But, <laughs> you know, you think when you're rocking back and forth in the dark, reciting a list of names that you've memorized, you've like, okay, I should probably, this isn't, uh, this doesn't scream healthy behavior. Um, yeah. But there's no, I'm assuming, turning off the madness. It's just, uh, I guess if you could, it wouldn't be madness. I mean, I, I personally, I would recommend not leaning into going insane whenever possible. Oh, totally. But since this is magically induced insanity, I don't know what we can, how much we can blame him for being dumb about it. So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Magic's involved. Yes. Well, shall we go on to a magical palace? Oh man, you bet. Okay, chapter two thirty, the palace. Yep. And uh, what is Val replying to here? Um, I think it's just like something along the lines of Amaryllis thinking, "No, we can't just like." sneak in we've got to fight him because it's what's supposed to happen and yes we can't go straight to the door because if we don't engage with him then i mean we have to engage with him that's the thing we have to do now right and val says you're engaging in religious thinking i won't say it's wrong but you have this idea in your head of an all-powerful god who will do whatever he wants regardless of what you think feel or do and that's impacting how you think about Felseed. And all Amaryllis has to say about that is, well, so long as I'm not wrong. And <laughs> my thought was, God damn it. And then I realized that was a pun, but I left it in. <laughs> and I mean, she's she's right that she's not wrong, right? That's why, that's why, hence the God damn it. That's why it's the God damn it, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's like, I hate when your religious thinking pays off. <laughs> but if it keeps working, I gotta, you know, I gotta get rid of my bias and assume that maybe this is the way to start thinking about things for her. You know, our world's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Maybe I got to stop giving her a hard time about it if it keeps paying dividends. Yeah, I still think she was wrong about the the. I listened to the math argument that we had about the number of times June had to be set on fire, um, mm-hmm. and she's leaning. Well, you know, it, it's possible. I'm like, come on. I, I still, <laughs> I, I think I'm somehow more strongly in the camp of like that's obviously ridiculous. That's religiously motivated thinking that I think is just wrong. But yeah. Anyway, she didn't. Yeah, she didn't want to think that God would be petty. Right. Which is weird. Uh, he definitely strikes me as kind of petty. 
Uh, Can be. Yeah, he has his petty moods. Yeah. But anyway, they get to Felseed, the dude who's there himself. Mm-hmm. And this whole time, like the tension's just been awesome. I'm not going to relay this whole chapter, but there was a nice part at the beginning where June says, I wanted to say something heroic to call him out on his shit or tell him that we we're going to kill him. But I was afraid. All the puns I'd prepared seemed to leave a bad taste in my mouth. Not that I was supposed to start rattling off a list of puns. Maybe that was the point of this gauntlet of grotesqueries we had gone through to set me of any will to make jokes. And I was like, so because he had no will to make jokes, I had to make a joke, which was, no, the ultimate loss. June, you can still pun your way out of this. I can seed it away where you where it doesn't look like you fell flat on your face. Oh, no. That was the best I could do, which, yeah, wasn't good. That, Maybe that, that, that is- must be how you feel for every pun. Because that wasn't a good one. <laughs> yes. Maybe that was Felseed's one weakness. And the reason he made them do that long trudge is because he uh, he knew that they would not try to use his weakness if they couldn't have any humor in their lives. Putting him in a good mood through humor. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just puns in general. Yeah, specifically puns are like his kryptonite. Like yeah. or whatever the whatever water for the witch. and the, Like it stings. And they, mm-hmm. just, they just keep yelling bad puns at him. Dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But in a, in a slightly less farcical way, if the group had somehow managed to improve June's mood when he was DMing, he might not have killed them all terribly. That is a very good point. But yeah. this guy, again, I don't, I don't know if he's, if he's a person with the same kind of psychology, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter what his psychology is. It matters what the DM psychology is. If they could somehow make the DM want them to beat Felseed, then they'd have a chance. Well, I mean... Yeah, that, I, I think the way of doing that is to make him like laugh and you know be like, oh yeah, you guys are cool. I'll hey, throw you a bone. I think you're right, but I I can't feel of what else they could possibly have done to earn that. You know, well, it's like, yeah, we, we did we did all your quests. We're badasses. We prepared like out the wazoo. You know, I, that's not what he wants. I mean, I mean, he certainly does want that as well. But obviously, that was not going to win him over in this chapter. You're right. It didn't. They didn't give him a list of puns. They haven't tried everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They should have brought some cream pies and very large clown shoes and stuff. <laughs> just just had a, a 10 minute long Three Stooges wig trying to get through that door. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, oh, okay, so I think this is my last thing I pulled out for a minute, which is uh, he's, he asks, what will it take for us to pass through? And Felsey just says, you can go, leave the girls. And June says, women. And Amaryllis says, take the deal. And little Palada, fuck that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Uh, you know, we don't trade lives, Captain. Um, but of course, Amaryllis is ready to throw away all 30 of her lives to let June go through here because there's a chance he could save the whole world, right? Yeah. And she's making a religious gambit, probably. But, like, there's no way we're going to do that, you know? I, I mean... I agree, although probably for slightly different reasons than uh, similar reasons, but not quite the same reason. Like I, I think, I think that this this is a you know horrific deal that he offered, and I think that this is designed to destroy June's sense that he could he's even slightly decent as a person. That like if he were to take this deal, his last shred of I might be a good person would be completely destroyed, and he would just conceive himself as an irredeemable monster, and like. Amaryllis does her thing where, you know, she says, take the deal because she's extremely pragmatic or whatever. Uh, But but if he were to take the deal, like that would ruin June. And I think he would 
fail in whatever sort of therapy he's trying to get here or trying to be put through. And then he would not be get the good ending and he would not become God. And if anything, God damn it, it just now occurred to me because I, I'm now running on this hypothesis of a few hours ago that uh, Amaryllis is the perfect partner and does everything perfectly. Like right now, Amaryllis is perfectly playing, uh, playing the part of Satan, the tempter, the person who says, take the deal, despite the fact that you shouldn't take it. And she doesn't actually want you to take it. She's only offering that to you so that you can be morally correct and reject it. And uh, I guess there's no way to to really know one way or the other on that. It's just the thing that popped in my head. I'm but yeah, no. It, I'm glad you ahead. brought that up, though, because that that is the danger of like, because that, that's a fun lens to to view her through. And I'll I'll keep that in one. Uh, I'll keep that lens in view when I when I read this reread this book eventually. But I I think it would be too easy to make literally everything fit that. You know, yeah. if I find a, if I find a time where she acted suboptimally, I could talk myself into saying, "Well, no, but it actually worked out." You know, yeah. sure she hurt his feelings, but that's what he needed at the time, um, right? And like that could well be the case, but there's there's it seems like it'd be impossible to disprove this hypothesis. Yeah, right. Um, I I mean, she could have been quiet here. She could have said, you know, she could have told Felsey to fuck himself. Like she just said the Amaryllis thing that she would say. Um, yeah. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been in character for for her not to say that exactly. It'd be some other person playing her part or something. That wouldn't be Amaryllis. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> Paladin. But yeah, June. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, June. June would have lost the game if he'd done that. He would have been destroyed, and so you know he didn't do that, and that's good because now he might still be able to get to be God. Like even if even if Felsey honored his word and let him through the long stairs and June found Uther and did the thing like he just, he wouldn't get the good ending because he'd be, he'd be shattered. I think. Yeah. I mean, or his self conception would be, even if he wasn't, he would have to go through a whole different, um, simulation of a fantasy world to get over that trauma. <laughs> right. One more level deep. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I had this background concern that like, there is no good ending because this might be a postmodernist story. Right. Mm-hmm, For mm-hmm. all I know, this is the last time we see June. Like yeah. the next ten percent of the book is just other characters picking out the pieces and everything's falling apart. Like, yeah. um, I sincerely hope not. Um, but that you know, again, I, there are no, I have no bets on the table for how this book turns out. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, what was the thing I was going to say though? Oh, um, if he does become God, like yes, I think it might hurt his feelings, like on the path of there, like you know, his self-image, and he'd feel bad. But I remember this came up when. I think we're talking about like him making the tongue or something and maybe you'd have to like wipe them out. And someone is like, yeah, it'd be a logical paradox though. He would have to like, if he, if he made it never happen, then he would have, then he would have had nothing to make not happen. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about him being that level of omnipotent though. Yeah. Where like he could in fact make a burrito so hot he couldn't eat it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I don't know what level of omnipotence comes with, uh, becoming the DM, but, I think he might be above logical contradiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, I made it not, I made it actually not happen. So I didn't actually sacrifice you guys there. Um, like not that I, I didn't like erase the timeline. Like it just literally never happened. I don't think that actually I, I, he could be that powerful. I mean, maybe he could be, but I, I just don't think he would get to that level of God power if he did that, because he would have failed. Yeah. He would have failed the, the himself. Real, and yeah, this, this game is himself. The real test isn't getting through that door. It's something else. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, well, I was going to ask if you think Felseed really would have honored his word, but I don't think it really matters. Well, it's a, it's a fun thought provoking question because 
I think June even says like, no, he would just fuck me over just because that's more fun or something. And I, if he doesn't say that, then I, he should have. And I think he's right. I think June is probably right. But I think Felseed would have gotten a lot of pleasure of the idea of June continuing to live however long as this broken person who knows that all these women that counted on him uh, for protection are are just being raped and tortured every day. And like just maybe Felseed reflecting on that every day that like, oh, yeah, June is still out there. June still knows this is happening would have given him enough pleasure that he would have honored his word. Yeah, it's a conundrum. I think he would have let him go for as long as possible, right? Mm-hmm. But would he let him walk back out into the world? Uh, you know, maybe because he, I guess it depends on what he likes more. Does he like, you know, making a sad person? Does he like just the bloodbath more? Yeah. Probably making sad people, actually, because killing people is so, like, I mean, he's killing these demigods with perfect ease, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe he might have actually honored the deal just to fuck with him. Yeah. I was interested in your thought on Uther here. Okay, regarding what Felseed says here? Yeah. Felseed says, one of my great regrets in life is that I just missed Uther. My opinion on this is that I don't think Felseed could interact with Uther. Because Uther is heroic fantasy. And uh, like sometimes it would get grim and bloody and things. But it was ultimately you know a TSR novel style of, of story. And Felseed is horror. Th- these two just do not mix. And it's it's the difference between like what Colin was expecting and what June was running, and you can't, you wouldn't have those two together. I just thought that was really thought provoking. I had no idea, um, like that ever crossed my mind. Is the implication of that that nothing Uther faced was straight horror? Nothing to this level of just depravity and nihilism. Yeah, like Uther always had a heroic core. There's a stylistic difference between high fantasy and horror, and there can be like some crossover, especially if you're getting into the um, the grim dark fantasy stuff. But Uther was high fantasy. He would have he would not have gotten this. I think you're probably right. Just narratively, I wonder if like Uther's story or whatever the storyteller could transcend that sort of narrative. But let's be real: if Felseed met Uther, he would have lost. Yeah, because Uther would have had the thing that would let him come back from the all his lost moment and steal victory yeah he would have had the power of courage or the power of honor or the power of friendship or something right unfortunately june doesn't have that kind of armor Um, yes so yeah so before they engage in like all-out combat june gives a a offer to felseed and he explains to him that felseed doesn't know that a dm exists and that the DM is, you know, the the creator of this world, and that everyone in it, including them, are there. What he says is, we're here to live, to have fun, to be entertainment of some kind. And my question is, are we entertained? Yeah, dude. Honestly, I thought that was a really good gambit. They Offering him that? Yeah. There's nothing else they can do. It's not like, I promise not to shoot you with my super gun, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, look, there's actually a super powerful deity, and we're here basically at his whim if i take the pilot seat which i'm supposed to i'll let you live in the world i I remake and then he attacked at the speed of light so um yeah he was not swayed it feels weird to say they're fulfilling their purpose by being entertaining to us these are the kind of things that like you know kind of wrap my mind warp my mind in the sort of like meta aspect but that's what the story's all about it's as long as they're entertaining us they're doing what they should here are that thing when you're like at the movies and mm-hmm. suddenly you're super aware that you're at the movies. Uh, 
sometimes yeah particularly if it's a bad movie oh yeah if it's a bad movie for sure but like sometimes it guess it'll happen if someone in the audience makes noise or sometimes just like an invasive thought it'll come mm, in okay and i'll be like oh i bet that was like a fun you know scene to shoot and i'm like oh mm, man okay. that was in the moment you know <laughs> um, yeah so you know at the end of the day every movie we've paid to see was there to be entertainment of some kind so that we would consume it and perfectly pay to consume it um mm-hmm. and that that's that's what this is but it can also be more yeah i think it says at the very least interesting things about us that we are entertained by this i'm assuming it says only good things about us <laughs> i could not agree more yeah obviously we're people of upstanding character and moral worth because we're entertained by this hell yeah yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and then we are entertained by an absolutely fucking epic fight scene which was it was just great yeah i had a great time with it yeah i'm not gonna pull anything out really like it it was it was awesome you know there's there's unicorn bone utilization and every loop somebody gets killed uh it demonstrates over and over that no matter how many tries they get this is never gonna happen yeah they try everything it's interesting. I think pretty much every fight we've seen before has been a lot into the mechanics, into like, you know, the tactics, the things that are done. And this, like, it it gives you enough details that you can visualize things happening, but it's much less like that. It's much less focusing on the, you know, individual dice rolls and moves used and more on the the feel of of hopelessness and incredibly fast action and just desperately trying to claw any sort of progress yeah absolutely i mean there's i can't remember any any uh attacks that he deflected or yeah you know anything like that unless it was like ah but then another one of him ran through the door and cut my head off or whatever right i guess Mm -hmm. he never gets his head cut off until the last one but um yeah it was epic and you know the other cool like tension device is like they because they planned for everything uh, he like there's a keyword you know that he shouts out and it's like you know go look at the door um mm-hmm. we'll we'll hold him off which obviously is only because he wants to let them go look at the door right mm-hmm. um i think he even says that like they get a moment where he's like oh you're doing something with time you know oh you're trying the door like yeah i can't they can't open that it doesn't work um mm-hmm. so i i love the fact that three times in a row when they loop he says you're doing something with time and then he just stops because he's like, yeah, do whatever you want with time. It's not going to help you take all the time you need. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost a bummer that he doesn't just let them, you know. I mean, I was going to say that he doesn't let them, like, try to kill him. But that actually wouldn't be that much fun for us <laughs> to watch, right? And they do try to kill him. Well, yeah, and they do. But, like, he could just stand there and be like, hey, I tell you what. I'll give you guys 90 seconds uninterrupted. Go for it. Oh, okay. But, like, what would they have done? Nothing. Yeah. And if they'd used the time for anything other than killing him, he'd kill them. So, yeah. Um, the... So there's there's a big door with a a lock that either needs a key or a password. And you know, all I could think of was like half jokes or or pot shot guesses, you know, is it Kansas? Is it the name of their high school? Is it Arthur Isaac? Uh what's his last name? I suck. Bloom. Bloom, that's right. Um, you know, is it uh Melon? Uh you know, the the word for friend and dwarvish. Uh, from oh, Lord okay. of the Rings, uh, that opens mm-hmm. Moria, like it, but I don't have like a good, like it, like an informed guess. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I might have tried those, but he tries some other random stuff, and those were as good as mine. So, uh, yeah. you know, of all the things, so I let's unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about during the fight here, 
Nah, this is it. Okay. Well, I didn't really spend a lot of time, I guess, thinking like, what will it be like when they fight him? Um, oh, you know, I did have the random thought that I wish he had tried to summon Shia LaBeouf with his last breath. <laughs> I don't think it would have worked. It Probably not, but it would have been fun to watch them fight, but maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think it would have, I don't think Shia LaBeouf would have even showed up. Lazy it's, cannibal. <laughs> Just because, I, I, you know, at this point, that's, we're no longer in that sort of fight, you know? Yeah. That would have been, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I guess I still feel robbed that uh, Hyacinth summoned him and not June. But um, no, I think uh, zooming out though, like I, I didn't really know what to expect from the, the, uh, the Felsteed fight. Certainly wasn't this level of intensity. I don't know what yeah. I was expecting, but it, it, I wasn't prepared for this. And I was, I was very surprised at the end. Um, I don't know. You've but, read more stuff than I have. Maybe this happens to you more often than it does to me, but I... Which part did, would surprise you? The fact that June dies? Yeah, I, I'm other than... And I didn't read uh, book one of, of A Song of Ice and Fire, but short of you know Ned Stark getting his head cut off, I've never seen my protagonist get decapitated before. Okay. So, I mean, that was... It was epic. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What, did, what were your thoughts? You know, Felicity had been built up for the whole book and this is it. How, how are you, how are you doing? Do you remember? The, the fight was like, I expected it to be desperate and epic like this, where it's a losing battle and that either, you know, it would be like a skin of their teeth thing at the very end, uh, where they just barely escape him into the portal aura. Like I was, I was not shocked that June died. It, it was definitely a possibility in my mind the whole time, because I don't know. I, I guess I've read more books where protagonists die. I think that's it. I, I'm still stuck in superhero thinking where I'm just like, yeah, I was thinking that they would have a hard time, but they would, they would figure it out in the all is lost moment, right? Mm-hmm. Guys, there's nothing we can do. Oh, but hold on. We thought of this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the doe bites his arm off or something. And I'm like, well, that was nice for you to help, I guess, but like, it doesn't actually <laughs> do anything. And so, and like, you know, if, if the result, ended up being like the doe saved him through fuckery. Like that wouldn't really be satisfying either. Right. Well, I mean, they, I think they kind of got the best ending they could because due to the doe's intervention and to like their quick thinking and very hard fighting, nobody died. Everyone managed to retreat. Okay. I mean, yeah, but June's got hell diver. So uh, we like, I, this, this kind of counts as a good um, result in my book because everyone got out of there in one piece. Well, I mean, everyone got out of there with <laughs> <Right>. alive. <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh, except for June, June who again, June, yeah. June got out of there dead. Yes. Uh, but he, but you got out of there nonetheless. And he's the one person who can get out of someplace dead and that might be able to get out of the hells. Right. Uh so so you know, it's not the ideal solution. It's not him um getting into the long stairs or even beating Felseed, but it's uh it's a lot better than it could have been. You know, maybe Felsey's weakness is boredom, and June's going to find the fast path from hell back to the palace, mm-hmm. and just keep walking in. And she's like, "I can do this all day." You're, you know, who's, yeah. who's going to get bored first, me or you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but then it I guess Felsey Doctor just, Strange one. Yeah, it was basically a Doctor Strange thing. But then uh, it just occurred to me that Felsey just then just elects not to kill him, right? Yeah, maybe. And then June would be stuck watching people get raped while they're playing chess or whatever, right? Yeah, like he, he he wouldn't he would just like all right, well I'm gonna just whatever rip out all your nerves and just throw you on this wall and you can hang out yeah. for the next 500 years. 
Yep. And we'll see who's being snarky then. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this was a, uh, it was a surprising and epic. The, I was, so I think I texted you uh, and called your names in the notes, um, <laughs> but I was gratified to hear that you had to wait. So this was the end of a, of a writing arc and he took off some time between releases. Yes. Oh man. I mean, it's not that he took off time. I, I don't think he actually took off uh, much time while writing this, except maybe like during the depths of COVID, but you know, darn good excuse for that. Uh, I I think he kept writing and just, um, you know, it, he would release things in chunks and it takes a while to write this many words, especially if you want them to be good. Oh, I just meant like this was a, not a like break. I'm going to take a vacation, but like a, a, a a delay in chapter releases. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, when Ikaski did those to us, at least for the most part, it wasn't this bad of a cliffhanger. And he gave us ba- basically the whole last arc all at once. Um, uh, there were some pretty bad cliffhangers, though. Hold on a sec. Let me, I'm going back to check. Your, oh, uh, no, I take it back. He was uh, he was really cranking at this point. There was only seven days uh, between Palace and Hellfall uh, and the next chapter. It so, just felt like a lot longer. It, it felt like weeks to you, huh? <laughs> hey i you i didn't make you wait any longer than i had to wait yeah i guess that's fair at a maximum i could have waited only as long as you had to which is fair (laughs) yeah actually that's perfectly balanced i think that that's totally fine um so (laughs) which were much longer intervals during between other breaks oh totally um no and you know part of the fun of of you setting the pace is that you get to do this once in a while um if you do this every week i'd get it would get old but for the most part, you you haven't been throwing out these like cliffhanger teasers, like let's leave people hanging, uh, like so often that it's lost its fun. Um, so here's the thing: if I could have done it every single week that we recorded this, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't quite line up that way with you know how much we were reading. Well, uh, you're doing it the perfect amount, and if you do it anymore, <laughs> okay. people will lose patience. Um, gotcha. No, you 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 keep doing what you do. I think it's working out fine. Um, I'm glad that there weren't enough opportunities to make it this bad every time. Um, <laughs> so here, here's obviously I had like a ton of thoughts, like he's dead, right? Yeah. Um, it, it would be one thing if it was just like achievement unlocked hell diver, mm-hmm. but he gets post game statistics. That's so fucking cool. Isn't it? Well, that that's the thing that like makes this worrisome rather than just like, I don't, I, I never thought like he's dead, dead. I mean, I, again, this, anything could happen in the story, but, yeah, I would have given it fifty to one odds that no, he went to hell. Right, he got the he got the achievement, but it's not like, and then he suffered forever. Like, I think he's he's gonna get in there and get out. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the fact that he got like, hey, here's your highest level earned. Um, like, it's telling him, hey, you lost, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't usually what games do before you go on to play the next phase of the game. Right, and so. My concerns are like, is he going to be reset to level zero? Um, is he going to have to go start a new game? Which, yeah, would amount to the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, we don't have time for him to climb back to the top unless it's going to be like pure montage. Uh, is it going to take him a hundred years and he has to start all over with new companions and the world greatly altered? That could be. I think that that was never high. Like one of my other first thoughts was Val will be able to find him pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And she will let him know by... Uh, dropping demons dead in such a way that they'll spell out, you know, we got your back um, or yeah. something, right? Uh, yeah. So, like that, I think is uh, is what's probably coming up next. Um, I'm not sure if we're getting a June chapter or a 
whatever the rest of the party chapter, but Val, I think she can scan all the hells pro- probably pretty quickly. I would assume so. She's got like hundreds. tens of thousands of tendrils. Oh right? yeah, it might be in the thousands. Is it hundreds of thousands? I thought it was. Well, just I know hundreds, it's in the. But if it's it's that, at least tens of thousands. Oh, she said in there with the last level up. She might find him in minutes. I mean, there's nine thousand hells, and each one is at least as big as Herb. Yeah, but you know, I think that she's fast. Like she, she doesn't need to do. I don't know. It maybe it'll take an hour, but in any case, she'll find him. <laughs> um, yeah. The I, I'm not convinced that it will be quite that soon, but yeah, I do think eventually she will. Well, finding him won't be like all won't be the same as getting him out. Right. Um, you know, she could she could find him well before there's any idea of what to do. Um, yeah. But I don't know. The, the the last thing was like, at least relating specifically to this reading that I had was like, they really should have done some investigation. And they probably know and just we don't as to whether or not mages keep their powers in hell. Yeah, that would have been good to know before before this chapter ended. Right. I mean, there's probably we weren't told that because then people, you know, would know immediately, oh, so June's going to die and keep his powers or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was just never mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I think that if they had brought that up, or rather if Alexander brought that up, then, you know, the audience would have noticed. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're usually pretty economical about the stuff you're writing why would you include that in there unless it was going to matter everything is a clue um Mm -hmm. you know people like me who basically have a banner that says that um (laughs) would totally read into that and it would have been right um so uh anyway that's about all i got i i don't know i had like another random thought about uther and arthur what what did i what was i thinking i wrote the note Arab lost Uther in much the same way that June lost Arthur. Um, oh. oh, I think I know what I was thinking. Um, okay. Like, you know, Uther vanished where Arthur didn't. But like, the thing is, like, nobody was ready for it. Right. Which is a lot like a death oh. that no one plans for. Um, okay. Yeah. And the world was reeling from it. They didn't. It it, it had to kind of settle back down. Um, but it it his departure loomed heavy basically forever. Yeah. And and is still a, a a major thing, the fact that he's gone. Yeah. And that's basically that's a, June relating to Arthur. That is a very good point. I don't know if, you know, this is definitely the kind of story that lends itself to reading things into it that aren't there, but, uh, you know. But also, in this case, the story is specifically about, you know, June and his grief over Arthur's death, and Erb is June in, in, in many ways. Yeah. 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 That was a good insight. Yay. It occurred to me mm. randomly this morning while I was going out to grab a bagel for breakfast. Cause, nice. Oh, man. I, so, I, you know, as long as I'm going to rant for a second. Well, mm. you can stop me. But uh, I... Is this is this a rant about bagels? No, it's just... So, last night... I don't know what it was. I think it's because it's been like 90 plus degrees here for the last few days. But last night in particular was like super hot. You know? We, oh, yeah. It's been hot here. We set the AC to 66. And oh, I still damn. woke up like an hour and a half after like try to go to sleep and I was like sweating. Um, wow. and so like, wasn't, wasn't sleeping well. And then woke up. I'm like, Oh, all right, cool. We made it. You know, uh, sun's up and the, it's six 45 in the morning. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm up like, all right. Got like a few hours, I guess. And so, yeah. uh, I've recently identified part of, I've been feeling shitty lately, like just physically, I think I'm lactose intolerant or grow developing it. Like it's, it's not like a, I immediately throw up, but I immediately feel, uh, bad. And yeah, you, you mentioned that when you came over before. Yep, I, I've explicitly tested it since. And so it could and be psychosomatic, but it, I mean, it's as confirmed as I think, as, as I, think I can get it. 
it's it's very not it's not uncommon for humans to lose lactose tolerance as they age. My brother uh, lost it a few years ago, but I oh uh, boy, I think it's not like a binary thing. Um, yeah, I think my body has less lactase than it used to, um, mm-hmm. but that sucks because you know breakfast cereal was a staple of my diet. So uh, yeah, I suppose there's fake and milk or whatever, can't be. but. Uh, and it's probably just gonna, you know, keep getting worse over time. Totally. Uh, yeah. I will. I will recommend oat milk. It is at least after a, a big remove of time. I, I don't remember milk being significantly different from oat milk. Great. It, it is a good substitute. No, I'm super into it. You know, honestly, like, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm trying to think of what I could lose food wise that would like really bum me out. But uh, like. I've been wanting to eat healthier breakfasts for years. Anyway, this is finally like my body saying, look, fucking do it. So <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. You know, I'll start making eggs or something in the morning, which I've done. It's just to work. And I feel like I'll get sick of eggs. I never have, but yeah, there's eggs, there's pancakes, but in both cases, yeah, it's extra time and it's a little extra work. That's what I had yesterday was uh waffles. Nice. Freezer waffles. I'm not going to make stuff, but. Um, oh, actually, these are waffles are as bad as breakfast as uh, cereal almost. Oh, health wise, it was must have been worse. I put on plenty of syrup, but uh, <laughs> okay. uh, lactose wise, it was better. Um, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They're like the the extra thick ones. It does to put in the microwave first before you toast them. Oh, yeah, it was epic. I, wow. All right. Yeah, it's the same people that make that good pancake mix, uh, Kodiak or Kodak or whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been everyone's insight into my digestive system. (laughs) Well, did you, uh, you said you wanted to touch on that thing you asked at the very beginning. Oh yeah. Thank you know, for fuck's sake, I I put that at the end of the notes and looked at it and didn't even read it. Okay. (laughs) So do you want to tell me if the fell seed mystery is solvable? Obviously don't tell me the answer, but I mean, so when I was reading this, uh, the first time at this point, I simply assumed, uh, like June said, Felsey does not have a weakness. That the fact that the DM put in, you know, you know his weakness in there is his way of fucking with June, of being like June was when he was in his Felsey campaign <laughs> mode. <laughs> Giving him false just, hope. That, exactly. that was his Vorpal Blade. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was his Vorpal Blade. Oh, man. I mean, that could be, but it's it's too vague. Uh you know, if it had said, well, I guess if he'd given him something specific, June would have known something was up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that could be. But then the door. There is a door. Yeah. Which has a mystery. And so I it, I think I can read where you're going with this, which is to say, Stephen, I didn't get to know. It's not fair if you know if it's solvable. So mm-hmm. uh, it could be the kind of thing where we don't, where it's actually not solvable yet. But you're right. Telling me one way or the other uh, would be giving me information you didn't have. So. Fair enough. Assuming I read that correctly. That yes. Okay, fine. You know, you know what All else right. is weird and just drag this out for I swear only thirty more seconds. The statistics okay. it gives him, most of them are stupid as hell. <laughs> I mean they're the fun sort of statistics you might get in a video game because they're easy to measure in a video game. Yes. I, I think it's the like the last few that were funny. Like mm-hmm. steps taken, you know, distance traveled. That okay, sure, sure. Trains taken, calories consumed. <laughs> you know, save games loaded. That that would be interesting if he could load save games, but he can't. Um, yeah. It does actually reinforce one of my things that I just I'm not realizing. So this is going to take more than thirty seconds. I speculated before that Uther might have been able to load from save states. You did speculate that, yeah. And this is evidence that he could have. 
Possibly. Um, and it's also proof that teleportation pads aren't fast travel. Yes, because they're in the game. Whereas fast travel is specifically, you know, a thing outside of the game where you just, you know, go to the next place you need to go and skip over all that, right? Well, boring stuff. Often, yeah, you can just elect to fast travel, but like, you know, in Skyrim, for example, you can take a carriage to a city. Yeah, but you don't sit and watch the entire carriage ride. No, you you yeah, skip it that, just like a teleportation pad. Yes, but the conceit is that it wasn't a teleportation pad. It was a carriage, and they're just skipping ahead to when you arrive. Ah, uh, okay. Well, in that case, I did play an immersive playthrough of that game where you had to like eat, sleep, and temperature affected you and all that stuff. Um, oh, man. Oh, it was great. There's some awesome mods <laughs> for it, including uh, more spells, one of which was like you could place a beacon. I think you could place five. And you could use that spell again to go back to one of those beacons. Oh, okay. Which is fast travel, you... but fast travel was disabled in this. But these yeah. were fan-made mods, so. I thought you were about to say that there, it's a mod where you have to eat and sleep and drink, and there's uh, special spells that are introduced where you don't have to eat or sleep or drink. Uh, no, but there's definitely, like, temperature-controlling ones and stuff like that. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it was just uh, you could fast travel in a game mode or fast travel was disabled, but you had to, like, you had to really earn it. It was like a level yeah. 100 spell out of 100. Right. It wasn't it wasn't fast travel, it was teleportation. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, All right. Well, for next week, we will be reading the next 3 chapters. They are 231 Hellfall, 232 Department, and 233 Tartarology. Tartarology. I'm going to see how that's spelled without skimming any farther below. T-A-R, T-A-R, and for what it's worth, that was the Greek hell, Tartar, or Tartarus. Oh, thank you. I should know that because I played a ton of, uh, shoot, what's that game that I was trying? for? Well, that, but I didn't actually play the old ones. Um, oh, okay. I played, uh, Hades was the Greek god of the dead, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or was he the Roman one? Uh, I, the Roman one was named Pluto, but they were the same one, just with different names. Right, basically. but Hades was Greek. So I played a game called... Oh, it was like game of the year a year the year or two ago. You played I'm Zagreus. Sure it was called Hades. That's right. Thank you. God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I know the word Tartarus, and I never would that ever would have uh, clicked for me. Um, but it's not like a spoiler to tell me that because I should have known it because I played that game a bunch. Right. Yeah. I kept saying the name without remembering it. Perfect. All right, buddy. <laughs> Three chapters cool. next week. We will see. It seems like we're going to hell. So uh, yeah. I hope it's a. Uh, not as bad as the Felsey Exclusion Zone. Maybe, you know, he lands in like level three. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. But and let's so be hell, realistic. We're just the colors are a little faded and the grass needs a lot more watering. Yeah. But if there's a level 9001, that's probably where he wound up. Oh, man. Fingers crossed for you, buddy. Talking to Jim. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out. And we'll find out real soon. And high five to you, dude. This was great. Uh, this was the one of the most suspenseful moments of this what year and change of doing this so oh fantastic yeah i had a lot of fun as much as like that moment of like oh fuck you it was still epic so <laughs> like that that's that is an awesome, awesome level that's a kind of fun you know yeah totally yeah it's like a tv series you can um you can expect at least one more of those before we are done here <laughs> dang it <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be quite at that bad of a level but uh yeah something similar well i'll brace myself for it cool you know it's like uh every it's it's not exactly a spoiler knowing that's coming that's how every show with a mid-season finale does stuff 
Mm-hmm. And I think last year did it too, but breaking or better call Saul, I knew it had a mid season finale and wouldn't, you know what edge of your seat nice. and we could sit there for a month and a half. So, yeah. okay. Hey, they want you to come back. I think I'm just dragging this out for no one's benefit here. So, We'll stop doing that. I will. And I'll instead remind everybody that they can find uh, our Patreon through the show notes links, including uh, links straight to Alexander Wales' Patreon. But if you want to uh, share the love, we get 15% to him uh, from ours. Uh, the first book of his is out. I think by the time this comes out, the second one will be basically out, um, which is say, I don't know, like 80 something chapters. And yeah. Big high five to Alexander Wales for uh, keeping us on the edge of our seat for two and a half hours plus four days. So exactly. This is awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll see you in a week. Thanks. Bye.